isn't a more perfect thing that a leader of the nation could have chosen to say at the time other than i can hear you i know what just happened we're all in this together as americans i can hear you the, the body of the government yes if you think about it as a body has its own defense system that will fight for its own survival yes. and that's those the nameless faceless gray gray suits yes. that make that all work for it they don't want to lose their jobs and they right. might even believe in what they're doing and so they don't they're not going to let some random person that gets elected by some weird system that some some people understand and most people don't right dictate what the future of their lives are and the future of the country is you are being actively stolen from when you pay them more money when mm-hmm. you have to pay taxes to buy anything to get gas to buy food to buy anything to pay your bills you're paying taxes every time there's a transaction of currency you're paying taxes Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. My name is Donovan from Salt of the Streets, and this is episode 165. Today is February 24th, 2024, and obviously we're going to be doing things a little bit differently today. We have a solo show going on. Colin is handling some things. Who knows what the hell he's doing? I'm just kidding. He's handling some personal things, so we are doing this one by ourselves today. And uh, next episode, we're going to be doing it in the reverse order. Uh, My wife and my son are going on vacation, so... They will be in California, and I will have a daughter all to myself, just a little bit of a planning mishap on our end. Uh, So Colin will be hosting the show by himself. He may or may not have a guest with him. We're still working those things out. But for today, you have me, and you can follow me at my own personal social media. I'm at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin's at Big Radafi on both of those things if you want to find him, and you can find everything at saltofthestreets.com, including our own personal social media, like I just said. And we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash saltofthestreets. Go there. Help us make more better content just like this. We have, obviously, the newsletters that go on there all the time. We have um, the old review previews that are up there. We have some old book club, book club stuff that's up there. And then, of course, we have the SOS ID, the brand new show that we are putting out. We just had a new episode drop nine days ago. And if you are on the Patreon, then you get full and uncut access to those episodes two weeks before everybody else. With that, I think we'll just kind of start getting into it. So we have a couple of different topics for you. It's going to be a shorter show today, obviously, because I'm here by myself. Um, And so we're going to do a couple of local stories, something about some Washington rent control, and then we'll do an update on some homelessness locally, Um, a pretty interesting story there. We're going to be talking about the Kansas City shooting, some of the ways, the things that that says about our country, some stuff like that. And then we are going to go over some 2024 things, some Donald Trump things, some Joe Biden things, mostly things about Donald Trump's uh, court cases. And then some caucuses we have with the or the uh, primary, the North Carolina primary today that we're doing. So um, South Carolina, it's one of the Carolinas that we're doing today. Um, None of this makes any sense to me. The two Carolinas, the Dakotas, I don't, the Virginias, none of this makes any sense to me. I know that there's legitimate historical reasons for all these things but it's we're past it at this point um and then we're going to talk a little bit immigration we have time we're gonna go over some born aid then if i have a good good little grab bag for you i did get some topics (coughs) excuse me I did get some topics from our instagram this week so we'll go over some of those things in the beginning of the grab bag i didn't turn my heater down i might just end up uh turning that thing off eventually it's gonna it's getting pretty warm you know what you know what? 
the lights are cooking me. I'm going to be warm in here. So, uh, yeah, I have a good grab bag for you. We have a couple of topics that we got from the Instagram, a couple of small random things, and then we have, uh, of course, some videos and some things like that for you. It's going to be a great show. One thing I want to share with you. Went shooting last week uh, with the Amble Men. Had a nice range day. If you're on the Instagram, then you saw a video that I put up there, a nice reel that we did. Uh, really enjoyed that. It was a very good time. Sam, one of my buddies out there, he is a machinist. Excuse me. And I asked him a long time ago to bring me a trinket. He's always making all kinds of cool stuff, you know, works in a machine shop. So they're just cutting down pieces of metal. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it is that they make. But so I asked him to bring me a trinket a really long time ago. I just love weird stuff. If you guys are know me in my personal life, you know that about me. Um, I have at work a uh, box that's just like a, an old chalk box. We use chalk at work at Benick. Um, and like Taylor's chalk. And so I have in that box. It's just all full of random stuff that I've picked up since I've been working there, like knots, um, wood knots from the plywood or, or from, excuse me, from the pallets that we get our shipments on and um, odds and ends like weird pieces of material that I've had to cut and just things like that. So we use a plastic material, thermoplastic material. It's very similar to Kydex. If you guys conceal carry or shoot guns at all and you have a Kydex holster, it's very similar to that material. And one time we got some that a shipment that was blue. It was it just had a blue hue to it. And so I cut, um, we were testing it on different colors of material to put on uh, jersey material to put on the splints and so I have a piece of that and just a lot of really weird random stuff so Sam shout out to Sam brought me oh, this right here make sure that we can see it I was like Sam what is this item what did you bring me here I really enjoy it but what is it right so Sam says that they're heat treating things all the time brackets I got to heat treat them to make sure they can get up to spec and stuff like that and so they use these spacers to put them between the brackets to make sure that they're all equal this one this particular spacer is just outside of specifications. When he said that to me, I said, Sam, that's just like me. It's just not quite right. So I really enjoyed this. I love this. He also said, I don't remember what particular type of metal he told me that it was because I'm not that intelligent, but whatever kind of metal it is, it will never rust. He said, you could leave it outside in the snow for a year. It's never going to rust. Huge fan of this. I would really like to try and find a way to put it on my kit. I did a lot of really cool kit stuff this week. Um, after I went shooting, I got like a new pouch. I got a dangler. I got all kinds of different stuff. So I got, fuck it. I'm here by myself. I'll show it to you guys really quick. Got the belt. Belt set up, right? I got the new, uh, I got a holster a while ago. I don't know if I talked about that. Nice safari land on there. This is what you get when Don does a solo, solo show. So I got new kit stuff. I got this nice admin pouch on the front here for my buddy Sean. Do some patches on there. That was my ear pro that I keep clipped to the back. And then I got this nice dangler here for my buddy Brian. Gonna fill that up with some medical. Gotta cut this tape off because I I fucking moved all of this kit stuff and then got new kit stuff. Got new pouches so that I have to move more stuff. So I'm gonna end up moving some of these pouches around, taking some of the stuff out, putting them in other pouches and things like that. I'm thrilled. Riley told me once of the ammo men told me that he was a gear queer and I. I feel that now. I understand that. I don't necessarily have the money to be on that train because, like, this type of kit and stuff is expensive, but I'm really into it. This also stinks like a fucking campfire because we had a giant uh, bonfire when we went out, which was great because it was snowy, but this stinks now. My truck stinks for me, too. Jesus. I'm scaring the dog. I'm dropping things. We're doing all kinds of stuff. Oh, I should probably go over to the YouTube, see if we have any comments over here. Colin, hello. It's good to see you. Just dropping everything. So, um, the only other thing I want to talk about in the very beginning was Vice. The Vice is ending their um, online distribution of news. They 
just can't fucking hang anymore. And I'm not going to like dive into it too deep. I don't have an article or anything to talk about it. Um, but it is kind of sad because, you know, I'm sure you guys have, have heard at least a few people talk about this already. I was watching Tim Cast from last night and he was talking about it. And it's, it is kind of sad because Vice used to be really pretty legit. You know, they were putting out really good articles and really interesting documentaries and stuff like that. I even remember when they first, <coughs> excuse me, partnered with HBO and they were doing a daily news show that was a great fucking news program it was like about an hour long i'm pretty sure maybe 30 minutes or an hour because they were doing weekly ones as well and i really really enjoyed that program it was very very good to program i sound like i'm a thousand years old but it was it was really good news and when they were focused on just news and not trying to push forward some type of weird agenda like corporate media they really were putting uh, out a very good product and now we see what happens when you uh what do they say get get woke get broke or something like that go woke go broke it's you know something to that effect so super sad to see very interesting but that is what you get when that is the path that you choose uh socialism communism is never going to be the answer especially in america so i do have the first thing that we'll talk i also have another i want to talk about joy behar really quick right because i have traditionally if you've seen the show before i have what we call let me ask you this um colin is not here today so i cannot ask him a question but i have something that i want to talk about <clears throat> that i pulled up in my collection so let's see here boom joy behar it's a tiktok i've never been a tiktok before and so we're going to go to TikTok together, and um, we will go from there. You have Something. On the oh, one hand, pause. Stop it, Joy Behar. Okay, so start that video over. Boom. Article view. Pretty sure. Just to make sure. Okay, you guys get a little bit of sneak behind the preview or a sneak sneak peek behind the curtain. Um, same deal. If you've watched the show for any period of time, you've seen me maybe do a few uh, solo episodes. Some mistakes have been made. was very unfortunate. One of the times I did a whole segment at the end uh, with my fucking microphone turned off because I was so nervous about not turning it off on the computer that I also turned the volume down on here, turned it back on the computer, never turned it back on on the actual microphone. It was great. So let's watch this Joy Behar clip together. Let me take another look at it. I'm just super nervous about this. Let's listen to what she has to say because she's going to talk about Putin, right? So the, the, let me ask you this is, is Putin Hitler? Um, and we'll use what she has to say for context. Maybe some of the back. reason. The guy has accomplished a, lo a lot. I don't want to repeat all the things he's done for Americans already. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we basically have had a 77-year-old criminal who only cares about who only cares about getting out of jail. Okay. And, it's and not in jail. I wasn't here yesterday because all weekend I was ruminating about what he said about getting us out of NATO. I don't think that yeah. people understand what yeah. that means. Yeah. You know, I saw this video of all these young MAGA guys celebrating trump and Bubba. well you know what you guys will be draft age yeah. you want to start up with russian the russians going into ukraine and then to crimea and then to poland what's next france germany italy you think americans are not going to be involved in that kind of a war that's what you're looking at with this guy you know i mean i hate to bring up hitler but before before hitler became <gasps> the crowd hilarious stuck his little toe in and the Brits and the Americans, everybody appeased him and yeah. said, he's not going to get worse. 
And then they gave over the Sudeten land to him. Yes. And then the next thing you know, he's invading Poland, and then he's occupying France, and then he gets Mussolini on his side. This is what Putin is going to do. It's very, very urgent that we not elect this man. It's not just about us. It's not about just the economy. It's about the world's geopolitical issue. Well, and that's precisely that, my point. And, the and these boys so who are 13, 14, stakes 15, so they will be the ones to go. They will have. And that's the the, because the other woman who I don't even I don't know any. Of the, uh, this is the only woman. Whoopi Goldberg, I think. Um, but I think this is the only woman whose name I actually know on this show. And so whoever the other woman is, she's talking about, you know, the stakes are so high. Democracy is literally on the line. Um, in this election. And, you know, what are we going to do? I just don't know that Joe Biden can actually defeat Donald Trump. I don't I agree. I don't think that he can defeat Donald Trump. <clears throat> um, and so part of the, the dog. Jesus Christ, Benny. Jesus Christ. OK, uh, she just disrupted my thought pattern. That's really how bad that just was. Um, no, Joe Biden cannot defeat Donald Trump. That is, I believe, the reality of that situation. I think that we'll see that borne out in 2024. And we'll talk about a little more 2024 stuff uh, later in the show. But this this thing that Joy Behar, this scenario that she lays out for us, for this to happen, two things need to be true, in which, in which Americans are marched into Europe, uh, you know, to battle Russian forces when they themselves have made it all the way to France, right? Uh, so two things... At least two things need to be true for this situation to play itself out. One of them being that Vladimir Putin has to be kind of the reincarnation. Really quiet. Sorry. Um, the uh, can you turn the volume way up, please? Joseph, was it the um, oh word desktop audio? OK, I got gotcha. you. The gist of what she's talking about is it doesn't matter. We'll get there or that's what I'm talking about. I'm so sorry. For that to happen, two things need to be true, right? That Vladimir Putin needs to have Hitlerian ambitions in which he intends on marching all the way French, which I have not seen really any indication that he does. And then also we would still need to be in NATO. The situation that she's laying out is one in which Donald Trump is president. He removes us from NATO. He withdraws us from NATO. And then this war happens in Europe and we are forced to march our way to Europe and fight Russian forces. That's these things can't happen at the same time. That's not how any of this works. So it, it I think, underlines how little Joy Behar seems to know about fucking anything, uh, how little she seems to understand about NATO and the extreme level of propaganda that these type of people are existing in and trying to influence you under, that, you know, the whole world and your future, your children's future, hymns, hinges on whether or not we stop Ukraine right now. I don't see that as the reality. In fact, it's almost the exact opposite. If we continue down this same path, we are almost definitely going to end up with our children in boots on the ground in Europe. It's it's lunacy. I, I, I don't understand how people can... To me, I have to assume it's dishonest because I don't see a way in which you can think yourself to that position with the evidence that is laid out before you. But here we are. So... I don't know. I'm not really sure how to handle these people. Um, so we will go ahead and we'll... But let me ask you, this was this Putin-Hitler, and I, my answer is going to be no. That's that's the answer, my answer to that question. Um, and so I think with that, we can go into probably our first 
topic here. We have Washington rent control. So let me go ahead and uh, boop, new tab, collections. I meant to talk to Colin a little bit about this because I don't know a ton about rent control. Um, I was intrigued by it. And so I read a little bit about, read, you know, about it uh, the other day. Excuse me. And I didn't. I didn't really understand what they're getting at. So we're, we're going to go over this article together and we'll talk about uh, some of the things they have. This is from the Washington State Standard. We're going to make sure that I'm in the boop, article view. And some of the Washington State Standard plan to cap how much landlords can raise rent moves ahead in Washington legislature. The bill would allow increases of 7% each year for existing tenants. Statewide caps on annual rent increases could take effect in Washington as soon as this year after the State House of Representatives on Tuesday passed a bill aimed at giving tenants financial relief. House Bill 2114 would prohibit landlords from raising an existing tenant's rent more than 7% in a year. At the time a rental home turns over to a new tenant, the cap would not apply. The bill would also restrict late fees to 1.5% of the tenant's total monthly rent. The proposal has split support in legislature, even among majority Democrats. In the House, it passed 54 to 43. Democrat Reps Dan Bronowski of Lakewood, Mike Chapman of Port Angeles, Maria Marie Levite of University Place and Amy Walden of Kirkland joined Republicans in voting against it. It likely faces an even tougher road in the Senate where similar legislation fell apart last month. Uh, my understanding, if uh, my recollection serves me, is that the split in the Senate is uh, pretty much razor thin. I think it's just like a one margin on there. I'm going to get my... Don't have it. It's somewhere. It's going to take the alpha brain. Moved it somewhere. It's somewhere. Um, oh, there it is. Fools. Opponents say the policy could have unintended consequences on the housing market as a whole and could hurt landlords, some of whom are struggling to make ends meet. But supporters say the proposal is an essential part of alleviating homelessness and ensuring middle and low income renters aren't driven from their home by rent spikes. Um, and this is where I started to understand I've owned a home for just over a year now. Right. And anybody else who owns a house knows that this it, it's it can be very costly right um it is not always the the costs are sometimes more than seven percent i don't think that there's anything wrong with keeping the rent commensurate with whatever the legitimate cost of maintaining and owning that property are there's uh tons of different things that could factor into somebody's rent going up if uh some work needs to be done on the house if you need like a roof or some side we had to look at siding the other day right it's 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 many thousands of dollars and if you don't have that on hand because as we know many landlords are not you know rolling in dough it's not like it was an extremely lucrative uh position to hold so you know there's a lot of people who's the rent that they have on their second home or whatever is just enough to cover the mortgage. Maybe it's like a make a hundred or two hundred dollars, you know, but they have to keep the rent reasonable for what's in that area or they can't have someone live and they won't find a tenant. Right. So I always I'm going to be troubled with the state's intervention on the private uh, dealings of of citizens and individuals in the United States, right? The the deals that you make with people is the deals that you make with people. I don't think in the vast majority of cases, really anybody else needs to be involved to make sure or to qualify anything. Um, so 
we will read on. A December report from the Washington State House Finance Commission and the Washington State Department of Commerce found that a lack of housing and growing gap between incomes and rents have led to a greater rent burden for many households, especially people of color. The situation is dire, but the situation is clear. Bill sponsor Representative Emily Alvardo, Democrat of Seattle, said this is the right policy. The proposal allows a tenant to break their lease at any time if the landlord raises the rent above 7% and does not qualify for an exemption from the rent cap. For an exemption, I wonder where the exemptions are for the rent cap increase. This cap applies to both annual and month-to-month leases. The bill also provides new requirements for when landlords have to notify tenants of rent or fee increases. Landlords who violate the caps... Oh, I'm sorry. This is what I was saying earlier about the... <laughs> what I was saying earlier. This is why I need to take the alpha brain. Let's do this. This is what I was saying earlier about being a landlord. Um... There are many people who own houses, who own second houses, other properties, whatever, that are landlords that are not rolling into it. They're not making a ton of money off of this other property that they have. And so if they have, it's not split, the establishment has a clear majority. Um, The comments are behind. My Wi-Fi is not as good as this, so that's um, really unfortunate that those comments are going to be so far behind that. That sucks. That's okay. We will just stick with it, I guess. The comments are going to be, Joseph, when you get to here, I'm going to do my best. Um, I have to do this stream over Wi-Fi. So the stream that you're seeing is lagging behind what I'm putting up. And so the comments are going to be behind what I'm actively talking about. So I'm going to do my best to make sure that I'm sticking with the comments and go for that stuff. Um <clears throat> rental prices people owning things okay so if you don't have that much money right you're not making that much money from the re- from your rental properties if something comes up if you need housing if you need a roof you need something like this you might have to refinance your house you might have to get a heloc loan you might have to do these things which is an extra expenditure that you're gonna have to take on uh a lot of these things like the helocs like that have variable rates if you're refinancing your house you're you're kind of subject to whatever the interest rate is at the time you may or may not be coming out in a positive direction on something like that so you could be having to put out more money every month just to keep that house and maintain at the levels that is going to be required by the state for someone to be able to inhabit that property so i i'm these are the reasons in which i'm not a favor of this and i i did not look into what the list of exemptions are. So maybe that is an exemption that if you have a very large maintenance project that needs to be underdone or undertaken on your project on your property, then you are able to file a waiver or something and kind of increase the rate based on that. But um, this is not, it's not something I'm generally in favor of. Um, I feel that there's, let me expand on that. Um, it, It creates, in my mind, a little bit of kind of two sets of rules to, to play by, right? If you're a renter or if you're a landlord, there are two different things that can go on. If you are a landlord, if you own this property, then you know we're going to have much less caps and, and uh, effect and hand in trying to keep your increase on what your mortgage is and your monthly payment for that property down, right? We don't really have much. The state has very little incentive to do that. In fact, in Washington state, there was a bill that was just defeated where they were trying to increase the cap on property taxes. The 
increase the cap on how much property taxes could be raised every year. There's currently a 1% cap in Washington State, and they were trying to raise it to 3%, but that doesn't include the levies that come up, the various number of things that come around every single year that you have to vote on, every quarter that you have to vote on that go into your property taxes that add to those things. That's just the state's addition to your property taxes. That's not all of the extra stuff. That doesn't include if you happen to have a variable rate mortgage or something like that and you know inflation is going up or down. It's these all of these things are going to affect how much you have to pay for that property. And the state putting the state, the government in this particular instance, Washington State, putting a cap on that to protect this other group while choosing to ignore the needs or the the requirements of the people who own the property is is patently unfair it's obviously unfair so i don't like this this two sets of rules things i really don't because they're they're using the justification of homelessness uh for the renters as to why they need to do this you know we're trying to lower homelessness and also make sure that people don't end up on the streets but if you put a cap on how much landlords can raise their rent but they need to raise it more than that to keep their property you're putting two people potentially out on the street if they lose their first house because now they can't they don't have enough money to make that payment and they're they have all this shit going on with the second house or somebody moves out of the of their rental property and now they have to make two mortgage payments over this time obviously there are things aside here it is it is incumbent upon you as an individual to make sure that you can pay all of your bills should something happen you should have money in the bank for all this type of stuff so that if someone if you have two properties and someone leaves that you can make two mortgage payments you know for a few months until you have to have somebody move in but we also know that the reality of people's finances is not always so clear and nice in America. Many people are struggling. And if you were doing well five years ago, happened to be a landlord then, and you've just barely managed to keep your properties over this time, spending your savings, maintaining these properties, dealing with all of the other bullshit that's going on, maybe you're not in a position to kind of defend those things like you were before. So there... <laughs> There's a lot of different reasons people could need to raise the rent on their house. It's not just because they want to be pieces of shit. It's not just because they want to gouge people's properties out, right? Um, there was another gouge people's money out of their pockets. Um, there was another concern from the opponents of this bill that the landlords could potentially have to like sell their properties. Or they um, two different angles of it. One, they would just remove the properties from the market, which I didn't understand um, why they would just take the property off the market because then you they have to pay two mortgages like that. I don't get if they're concerned about losing money. I don't know why they would just remove from them the market. Uh, I do understand a situation in which they would need to make a higher mortgage payment, but they can't raise the rent commensurate with that uh, or in connection with that. And so they choose to sell their property instead. And that also could be disadvantaging two people. One, the person who has to sell their house, they might make money on the back end, but if they're struggling, they may not. And if whoever the buys the house after that the new property owner can then raise the rent as much as they want which is what it says if there's a new property owner if they're going to have a new tenant right they're going to have to kick them out if someone else is buying the house you don't have to um i guess there was a house when we were looking at our house that you could buy but somebody was living in it like you there was a tenant there and you had to still allow them to live there because they had a lease uh but you could buy the house if you wanted and then you could be the new property manager i guess was the deal so you don't have to but that's traditionally how it's done. Um, so in which case, the new owner of the house, like I said, it could either take that property and increase the rent uh, a large degree, 
or just live in that house. And that, that takes it off the market for two people. There's now two two parties who are disadvantaged by the way that this was done. So it's, it's very confusing to me as a reasonable person. But as we all know, the state is not a reasonable entity. Um, I was talking earlier about the bonds and stuff like that. You know, the, the state, uh, particularly Washington State, but I'm sure most other states as well. And uh, this can be, excuse me, said for uh the government in general they're not really quiet about the hostility towards homeowners you know we saw that during covid when they're doing these uh was it the eviction moratoriums right you can't evict people from your houses so there are people who just didn't pay rent for fucking three years and couldn't be kicked out there's it's it's not good they're, they're not quiet about the hostilities right so the amount of increases the tax increases the bonds um not to mention the stuff that we deal with homeowners deal with with the result of poor government policy the homelessness that we talked about on this show is like a really good example the different deals we've had around my neighborhood proposing to sell off pieces of city property so they can put up encampments there and it's it these are things that tenants only need to deal with if they're living on the property. The homeowners have to deal with it regardless, even if you're just managing the property. The tenants can choose to leave at any time, and they're going to get all kinds of protections from the state to make it that way, especially if they're going to pitch it from some type of financial angle. You know, I need to break my lease because of this. If they're trying to raise the rent because of this, so they said if it's over 7%, you can leave at any time. Um, homeowners don't have that choice. You know, you keep your property, you lose it. You foreclose on your property. You sell it maybe, um, and you're taking hits either way. This this doesn't make any sense. You're creating two classes of people, and it separates them based on, like, the haves and the have-nots. And I have a – I don't know. I have a hard time with these things. It's very confusing to me. I – like we've talked about this no shortage of times on the show. You know, I don't have a ton of money. I'm not from a ton of money. I grew up on state assistance. I, I'm only now through the help and the assistance of multiple people, uh, you know, my bosses and stuff like that that assisted me to, to get this house and to like do these things and, and be making these moves forward. And these moves with this house was a huge step up for me. So I, I don't... I. And that's the same for many, many people in the United States, that their access to housing, their ability to own a home is what opens doors financially for them, for them to just be able to make different moves. So I, I'm troubled by this haves, have not thing that, that they're setting up there because I don't feel, um, not to be you know all woke about it or whatever, I don't, I don't feel like a have. I don't feel like a person who's sitting in the upper class. I don't think that's what's going on here. And I'm sure that I'm not the only person who feels the same way. The people that have struggled to pay their bills over the last few years, the people who just barely got a house or maybe are just starting to look for a house, who've been renting the same house for multiple years and are trying to buy it. or There are no shortage of people who are in the exact same position that I am. They are not the haves. They are not the winners in this country. So to be setting up these splits based off of these arbitrary designations of whether or not you own a home or don't is crazy. And it's it's that's the whole point of it. It's just to divide. It's to continue to set up more ways to try and divide people and create separations from you and the people that you're helping live somewhere. You know, if you are a landlord and, and someone is renting your house, chances are you don't think they're a piece of shit or else. Why would you let them rent your house? Why would you trust them to pay rent? Why would you allow them to use something that you own? If you thought they were a piece of trash, it doesn't make any sense. So to to separate those people any more than 
already exists, already exists politically or potentially racially or whatever. You know, we heard last week at Breakpoints, the racial uh, divide is pretty much healed. But I, why? Because that's, because that is the whole point, is just to divide, is to cause more rifts and make it more and more difficult for you to create community with people and create relationships with people to have discussions about why that would be happening. Because that's the only way that it's done. It's not a difficult thing. It doesn't take, I'm not a genius, right? It doesn't take um, that much, that much talking, that much investigating, that much digging to kind of blow the cover off of what they're doing to expose the lies that are inherent and exist within their talking points and their political agendas it's it's very easy to see so it's it's a very interesting thing to me um that this is how they choose to do it so i implore you obviously to to have these conversations to share these things with with people that you know to just kind of shed a little bit of light on it because it doesn't take much it really doesn't take much um and it's sometimes it's very difficult to talk to people. And I, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I would very, very much implore you to do so. But it it doesn't take much to show that, that they're stupid. And we will talk a little bit more about this type of angle when we talk about 2024 stuff. Some of this uh, Fanny, Fanny Willis, is that her name? This, uh, this DA down in uh, this Trump case. So it's a very interesting deal. Um so let's see the last point for this particular issue uh or for this particular topic the washington rent control proposal is that it obviously doesn't this whole thing is to uh, supposedly address a an issue with with housing right the housing market we don't have enough houses here we're trying to keep people from being homeless we're trying to put people in houses this does nothing to incentivize more home building this does nothing to change the amount of housing the the supply of housing that exists within the market it creates uh potentially more more competition for it the places that are low rent are going to stay low rent and uh i I, i'm not sure they're calling i meant to discuss more with him about this um yesterday and just wasn't able to i did not have the time but i know that he has some very interesting points uh and perspectives coming from new york about the rent control thing i know rent control is really really big in new york and some of those bigger cities east coast it's more common well, a lot of the big leftist cities larger cities but um he has some pretty interesting thoughts on rent control that i we will ask him about he we will hear from him next episode so with that and we'll move to our uh next we can read a little bit more of this let me get some water really quick. Landlords who buy the cap, the caps in the bill would end up paying damages to tenants equal to three months of the unlawful rent and fees charged plus legal costs. Exemptions to the new rules include residential construction that is 10 years old or less. Situations where the owner is also a resident of the property and some buildings owned by nonprofit organizations. Okay. Exemptions to the new rules include residential construction that is 10 years old or less, so new housing, newer housing, situations where the owner is also a resident of the property. What? <clears throat> How do you rent to yourself where the owner is also a resident of the property and some buildings owned by nonprofit organization? This is about rent cap. How can you be the owner of the property and also subject to a rent increase 
I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Michelle Thomas, policy and advocacy director for the Washington Low Income Housing Alliance, and in a said in a statement that the bill would help prevent excessive rent increases, straining seniors' finances, and noted that a disproportionate share of renters are people of color. It's always about the people of color. The policy is an important step towards addressing worsening inequities in housing. You know that. Look at that. The inequities right there, right? This is a problem. We, you see this right here inequities this word equity I've always talked about this this doesn't mean equality and they, they tell you this now they used to be secretive about it they used to be real quiet about it and just kind of try and slip it in whenever they could really easy way and I've taught this to a lot of people like the easiest way I think to differentiate them is you know equality is has to do with equality of opportunity and equity is the equality of outcome right when you're you're inherently taking from somebody else to ensure that the person next to you or the person you're talking about has the same outcome as the person next to them these are not the same things this is not something you should strive for this is not something that benefits anybody other than the very people at the very very bottom of this this is this is no good you can't take from people to give to other people it's not good what are the two big rules dax don't hurt people don't take their stuff if my five-year-old can tell you this anybody can tell you this Housing is mandatory. Opponents of the bill said that it will only result in more landlords selling their property, which will increase the cost of rent for everyone. Other critics said that it would dissuade developers from bringing more housing online in Washington. Representative Leonard Christian, Republican of Spokane Valley, said that while the policy caps what landlords can charge, it doesn't cap their annual maintenance costs or the utility costs of which have gone up in the recent years, which is true. There's another guy later in here who's also representative who like owns some other properties is like, yeah, uh, you know, 7% is way less than, um, or, you know, is, is more than enough to cover the yearly maintenance and costs. Okay. What if a war happens and your fucking heating bill goes up two times in a year because now natural gas costs that much more that that did happen. Natural gas bills were much higher here during that. They did not double. They were much higher. These things did happen. Gas bills, all kinds of bills go up. That's This is dog shit. These people are lying to you. They're all lying to you. We're not leaving property owners with a lot of options. Their only option is to sell the property, Christian said. We want more homes, not less. Selling the property doesn't make less homes. It makes potentially less rental homes. But supporters of policy, however, say it does not put a cap on the price of rent, but rather it limits how much rent can be increased each year. Under their proposal, after a tenant moves out, the landlord can raise the rent however high they want. Seattle Democratic Rep. Chipalto Street, that's a sweet name, who is a landlord, said it is possible to run a stable rental business while having limits on rent increases. A 7% increase is enough to cover utilities and maintenance expenses, which Street said are minimal compared to the fixed cost of his mortgage. But that's, of course, you have a fixed rate mortgage. If you do not, because a lot of people don't, Right. It's a lot of different theories about this. Many people, you know, whatever. I'm not going to judge either way. Anybody does their own thing. Right. A lot of people have adjustable rate mortgages. That's that's that is a common thing in the United States. A common, very common thing in the world. Right. There are some places that don't have fixed rate mortgages, which to me is fucking crazy. But, um, you know, if that's the case, your rate can fluctuate quite a bit. And especially depending on uh, interest rates and stuff like that going on with the Fed. So if interest fucking skyrockets and your um mortgage skyrockets as a result of that you you then what you have to take out of pocket twice uh, or the half the cost of your mortgage because you are only allowed to raise your rent seven percent in any given period in a year in a year right that's not even on a monthly basis not that i'm saying people should hike rent up on a monthly basis but um it's what are we doing here guys um 
of its mortgage, but renters need this relief. He added, housing is mandatory, Street said. You can't just go, you can't just choose to go without housing. You either pay with the market bears or you become homeless. It's the same thing for owning a house. That's, it's the same thing for buying a house. It's no different. So I don't, I'm not sure why it, why we care when people are trying to rent a house but if you're trying to buy a house it doesn't matter you're just shit out of luck if you got priced out of buying a house because um you know we uh because the rates have gone up in in the last year and so you've now become priced out which almost happened to us when we were trying to buy this house that like had we not been able to get in right around the time that we did we would we would have been fucked because the rates kept going up and we would not have been able to afford a mortgage payment that happened to a ton of people. That's There's all kinds of news companies talking about this now. Oh, the new generation will never buy a house. They can't afford it. They can't this. They can't this. They can't this, right? Why, did, why do we care when people are trying to rent a house? But if you're trying to buy a house and build your own equity, build your own wealth in the country, that doesn't matter. We don't care. You're just shit out of luck. That's just the reality of things. And, you know, you need to blame politicians. That's, that's crazy. That's not... I don't know if this works. I don't understand it. So... Um, he pointed out to other policies that he believes could have protected tenants more than a rent cap, including vouchers for those who can't pay their rent or incentives to landlords who don't raise rents every year. Neither of these policies are still alive in the legislature. That, like, that's not bad, you know, if you're talking about fucking money from the state regardless. I There's an inordinate amount of taxpayer money that is spent from this state and handed out to people who live here. So if we're going to make sure that people can live in a house and get them off the streets... I would rather that than be fucking over the people who <laughs> who own the houses. If we're going to be throwing around the government cheese, right, at least let it run free and everybody can have a piece of it and everybody's going to be all right. But I just don't like it. After the vote, William Shadbolt, managing director of the Washington Business Properties Association, said the group will be working to ensure the property rights of its members are protected from this failed policy. Rent control doesn't pencil out for providers or those struggling with our state's housing affordability crisis, Shadbolt said in a statement. The Senate must stop this bad legislation. The proposal now moves to the Senate where a version of the bill died last month after it failed to receive enough support among Democrats to get out of a committee. On Friday, a group of Democrats who support the policy in both chambers called on Democrat leadership to find a path forward for the proposal. This is a plea, said Senator, Tw- check this, Twina Nobles, Twina, 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 Twina Nobles, Democrat of Furcrest, said this is certainly impacting every community. Every single legislator has heard from somebody in their district. They have. Housing here fucking sucks. We're going to go we'll look at a reel in the grab bag. It's a funny one, but it'll underline for you how expensive things are. We're going to look at a house that's smaller than mine that was more expensive than mine. And it's worse than mine. It's, uh, it's my house is not great. I bought a very old house. There's lots of work that needs to be done here. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a fine house. I love this house. I should name it so that I can address it as a, do you guys name any of your items like your cars or um, anything like that? I would be interested in that as well. What do I, where's my, it's in signal. I got to pull signal up. Housing here sucks. So yeah, so I'm sorry. That's what I was saying. We're going to look at a house in the grab bag, um, that goes over goes over it shows a disgusting house where somebody was potentially a crime was committed there and it's a smaller house than mine it's the worst house than mine and it's more expensive 
it's bad news. Let me pull up this article here. Note to self. Boom. This be a little update for you. Got all these fucking windows open now. Okay. Boom. We're going to look at this article. This is from Como News. This is our homelessness update, right? Uh, because that was our stuff for the rent control. Um, here we go. Boom. Article view. 200,000 pounds of debris removed from encampments along I-5 in the Seattle's U District. Y'all know what I-5 is. It's a fucking big-ass freeway. We can look at some pictures here. Let's see. No, boom. I-5 in this corridor right here. We can see the clicker. This is where these encampments were. This is all this. That's Seattle. People's houses. Apartments. You know, super sweet. Go to the next one. Yep. This is where they were living. Yep. Just like, uh, you know, all up in here. Obviously, this is where the trucks were driving, the garbage trucks. But you can see kind of where the tents and things were set up. Arrows. Yep. Right there. It's beautiful. That scared the shit out of me. Not going to lie, guys. Scared the shit out of me on that one. Um, let's see here. How do we get out of this? Read the article. Okay, 200,000 pounds of debris removed from encampments along I-5 in Seattle's U District. Seattle state crews are securing the sites of several homelessness encampments, homeless encampments that have that have been cleared near I-5 in the University District of Seattle. Crews said 28 of the 30 people who are living in the encampments of Washington State Department of Transportation property accept referrals for shelter services. Our goal is really, quote, our goal is to really get folks into a way of life where they can sustain themselves and be safely housed, said Nicole Alexander, an outreach director with Co-Lead. The work that we do that everybody sees through the TV, that's the last 45 minutes of six months of work and daily grind for our folks. We see encampments and you don't see the work. We are there daily in the elements trying to help folks, unquote. According to Washington State Department of Tracks, like 210,000 pounds of debris were removed from the several encampments along I-5 between 45th Street and 50th Street in recent weeks. Crews are now shoring up 2,000 feet of fencing and adding 700 feet of new chain link fencing to the area. Excuse me. This was the 32nd encampment cleared under the state's 2022 Right to of Way initiative, which allocated around $150 million to help the homelessness, help the homeless who were living in the state property near highways. Governor Jansley visited the site Wednesday afternoon and said around $100 million in new funds are needed to keep the Right of Way initiative going. It's just not enough. We just we need twice as much as what the initial fucking what the initial proposal was, and that will keep it going, he says, to keep the right-of-way initiative going. That's not to finish the job. That's to keep it going. What are we doing here? What you're telling me, you're telling me that with however many, let's find out how many homeless people are in Washington State. How many homeless people are in Washington State? Let's find out. Let's see if we can get a fucking a quick number here. Washington State homeless population is increasing. New HUD report shows that's from March of last year. It's nothing quick. Counting of people experiencing homelessness during the 2020 census. Homelessness rises 6.2% in Washington State. All right. Well, let's just look at this first one. It's from 2023. Let's see if this will give us a rough number. Get the fuck out of here with these people. You know, like my ad blocker. 
Washington homeless. Oh, this is from Axios. Washington homeless population surpassed most states in 2022. Isn't that lovely? Let's see if we can get here. Driving the news. Why matters when two people experience homelessness died in King County last year or this year? Um, this year's one night point in time count found a total of 25,211 people experiencing homelessness in Washington, an increase of 10% from 2020. The number includes people living in temporary housing or shelters. You're telling me. You are fucking telling me. That's, man, it's like a million dollars a person. You're you're telling me that with you could buy them all a house. Okay, I oh my god. So this was in 2022, right? So we're just going to use that number, even though it's definitely more. Um, we'll say 25,000 people in the one night count, which is also not a full encapsulation of the homeless population. So, but we'll use it, right? We'll use it. 25,000 people. Let's go. Let's go to 30 to account for the increase, right? 30,000 people will say. <coughs> And that's just to account for the increase, not to account for how wrong they were, because I've heard no shortage of stories that talk about how the one night counts aren't good. No, uh, detectors or like depictors of how many homeless people there really are because of how many people, you know, are staying here or they have a house for one night or they blah, 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 blah. So let's use 30, 30,000, right? As the number, let's pull up our calculator and we'll do this math together. And so we're Thirty thousand people. Is that I mean, <clears throat> what is eighty three hundred? That I don't. I honestly don't even know enough about math to know whether or not that's right. <laughs> but that has to be correct. If you're dividing two hundred fifty million by thirty thousand people, nine thousand. It's I just don't. So my first number of a million was wrong. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm so fucking smart, you guys. Aren't you glad that you come here to listen to me talk about things? Um, this is Don and only today. Is this Don and only today? Where are they putting all these people? Funny how they'll build a border to protect the plot, but not our border. Yes, given the chat is also way behind, so it might be minute before he says hi. So what's up, brother? Yes, yeah, I'm really, really sorry, you guys, about the chat thing. Um, like I said, it totally has to do with my internet. My laptop, I didn't know this when I bought it, um, and I wouldn't have bought it if I knew this, but I can't hardwire into it. I don't have a way to hard connect my internet into my laptop. So I have to do everything over Wi-Fi. That is why we're doing it this way today. I had done it in the previous location on the other side of this wall before. And I do think that I remember the chat being a little bit delayed before. Um, but I don't think that it was as bad. <clears throat> so like I said, I'll do my best guys. But so either way, if we're rocking with 9,000, assuming that's right, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't even want to pick a number because I literally don't know what I'm talking about. I just don't see how we can't house 30,000 people with an expenditure of $250 million. That seems like something has gone wrong here. I don't know. So there you go. It, it's, that's, that's an inordinate amount of money that is being spent simply to clear people from these properties. Um, hopefully you guys are laughing at me for my fucking sweet math skills. 
If you drive up and down the I-5 corridor, you're going to see a lot less homelessness than you did a year ago, Inslee said during remarks to the, I'm not thinking about the math thing. It's like so obviously wrong the first time. It's so funny. Inslee said he was not satisfied by budget proposals from the House and Senate. We think more needs to be done than is in these proposals. I will be talking to legislators, urging them to find some additional funds. Inslee said, find some additional funds. That means tax increases. That's precisely what that means for you. Seattle leaders have expressed the need for cities around the region to start accepting additional homeless services to help shoulder the burden of dealing with homelessness. Inslee echoed those concerns during his remarks Tuesday. We have got these facilities, and they said we need all communities to pitch in here. This is a statewide homelessness crisis. Every city has got to pitch in. Suburbs, big cities, small cities, everyone. This is something that we have talked about a little bit when we have discussed the other homelessness issues, specifically in Bremerton, which is the town that we record in, right? The town that I live in. I think there is a there's a disparity here between the ways of life that people want to live. People who want to live in a small town don't want to deal with these issues. They don't want big city homelessness issues. They're not interested in that. They don't want the services there because that will bring homeless people to their cities, to their town. They don't want that. Um, if you're living in a big city, and I have had to kind of not eat crow, but adjust my perspective and take ownership for this a little bit, right? My view of what Bremerton was was skewed by me growing up here. It's a very different city than when I grew up here. It's a much bigger town. The problems here are bigger. They, in scale and in in generalized variety, they are bigger city issues now than they were before. Um, we all, people who live in bigger cities, have to accept that if you live here, this is this is part of the jam. If you're going to live in a big city, there are going to be these bigger issues. There's going to be more crime. There's going to be more homelessness. There's going to be more drugs probably. There's going to be more of a lot of the shit that people don't tend to want to be around. This is what you get. If you don't want to be around those things, you have to remove yourself. That's the only way traditionally until now when they're trying to excuse me, expand these things out into every fucking nook and cranny of this of the state. And this is not what people want. Um, I'm thinking now as I'm talking, maybe it's a good thing, right? Maybe this <clears throat> this push to try and force these services and these policies on the small cities and the small towns that want to stay that way, that want to stay small towns. Maybe this will help with what I had talked Colin, about that. Like, I think that this state, maybe I didn't talk about this on the show. I think this state is going to turn around. I think that we're getting to that point that there is some stuff where the court specifically around the gun things that like these policies, the things that people have voted for are starting to turn against them. They are starting to turn around. And I think there is some hope for these areas, for the states, maybe not necessarily the large cities within those states, but I do think there is some hope for these places, right? So maybe to that extent, these types of pushes help with that, that you're going to push, push, you're going to push this policy. You're going to push these policies into small towns and they're going to revolt. They're going to vote you out. They're going to start to vote red because it is the Democrats that are pushing this stuff down their throat. If that's the case, I'm for it, right? I used to work with a guy who just retired last year, Dave, old man, Dave. He moved out to uh, like Port Hadlock or something like that, which is across the um, across the Hood Canal Bridge, and 
there's it's just a bunch of small towns over there quilcene poor hadlock poor towns and very smaller towns that are kind of like a little bit touristy and they have some fun stuff like that but the people who live there there are small communities that live there and when dave was moving there he's talking to people who you know like his neighbor and he's talking to his neighbor like yeah you know we're moving here from bremerton and uh you know it's just getting crazy there there's lots of homeless there's lots of this there's lots of that and his neighbor's like yeah we don't have that here we don't have any of the services here so we just send them back to bremerton so we don't have those issues here because they don't want that they aren't interested in those things that's how those small towns excuse me those tight-knit communities have have chosen to lay themselves out and i'm pretty sure that we have heard kevin talk about this right kevin shout out kevin obviously we talked to you or saw that you were here earlier we saw kevin talk about this in the places that he lives that the towns that he lives around are small and people recognize them and he's just choosing to just not go there anymore he lives far enough i was like i just don't even go into those towns because it's just trouble it's just shit that i don't want to deal with you know so and i don't blame them i don't blame him or anybody else for feeling that way i i for a lot of things will drive Paul to Paul's boat, which is like 30 minutes from my house, as opposed to the other store 10 minutes from here, because it's a better quality store. There's less, less sketchy shit. There's less sketchy people. I don't have to be as concerned about things in general to go shopping in Paul's boat as I do in West Bremerton or in the other parts of Bremerton or like fucking Port Orchard and stuff. It's just not, I don't, I don't have to worry about it as much the farther I go north. I don't blame anybody for wanting to live there. But if they want to live there, <clears throat> it's for these particular policies. And to try and coerce them out of it, I think, is really wrong. It's it's morally wrong. I'm, I'm not – I don't like that. Um, let's see how much more is in this article. That's the very end of it. So, frankly, I'm not seeing a city. I've seen a city not helping. I was in Kenmore the other day where they spurred a 100-unit facility that was ready to go get people housing. That's not cutting this, the mustard, Inslee said. After Kenmore rejected the Plymouth housing proposal, Redmond leaders approved the project and gave Plymouth a plot of land to build it. So, you know, we've gone over some of the different policy proposals in Bremerton specifically. There's, like, the congregate housing, um, which is just, like, you know, beds in a building and then uh there's the kind of other like transitional housing we've talked about there's, there's a lot of so fucking a million different ways to skin a cat right so uh, i'm obviously we will be tracking this i'm interested to see where this goes um and we'll just have to kind of go from there so the the way that it's the problem is getting out of hand because we've also talked about the the right of ways and stuff like that where they're putting fucking boulders. They're, they're using tax dollars to fill the parks and the right of ways with boulders so that people can't stay there anymore. We can't figure out an actual solution. We can't try and push any type of policy forward that might actually help somebody. So we're just going to continue to remove places where you could sleep before to make the other people more comfortable, right? It's the same thing that we were talking about earlier with the rent control. It, it, it's a divisive tactic. It is to sow division, to, to sow chaos and discord around you, just to be uncomfortable, to make you unsettled with where you lived. We don't want you comfortable. We don't want you settled. We don't want you to be happy here. You need to be on edge all the time. You need to be upset and blaming somebody and just right on the precipice of being turned over to fucking chaos and anarchy, but in favor of us when we can direct you in the right way. It's not... It's disgusting. It's disgusting to watch these people take advantage of us and lie to people, try and lie and just get their way, distort the truth to 
gain power and influence is really fucking dark. You know, it's really, really dark to watch. I'm super disturbed by it. I really don't get it. Um, well, of course I get it. They're fucking, they want power. They're gross, gross people who want power. So, of course, I understand. Um, that's all I have for the homelessness update. I don't have to pee yet, so we will keep going. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think we'll talk about the Kansas City shooting next. We have uh, a couple articles that we'll look at, and I want to talk about some societal things in general. I will be interested. I'm really sorry about the chattling, you guys. Um, I know that it's not, you know, it is what it is, but obviously I wish that you guys could be here with me talking to be more uh, active. Let's see actually how far behind the YouTube is. Uh, that will be interesting. YouTube. Whew. Oh. It's just the chat. What the fuck? None of this makes any sense to me now because I just went to the beginning of... I fucking hate technology. I don't understand any of this. <clears throat> anyway, let's talk about Kansas City. I'm sorry. I fucking got distracted. I'm thinking of my own. Just sitting here thinking of my own brain. Hello, Tiffany. Hello. Um, Kansas City shooting. Okay, we'll go to part two really quick. Boom. I separated these things into my traditional organization, but... Um, Obviously, we're, you know, I might take like one break today, like two at the most, probably not two. I'll probably just rock with one, probably do like a three or four hour show today. Yesterday was the wife's birthday. I'm going to go out tonight, do some things, stuff, go to dinner, a little uh, stone of the vino, a little Italian food. Staying hydrated, you guys. Talking more than normal. Maybe not. <clears throat> But I'm talking quite a bit. So, of course, uh, I think we all have heard about this uh, shooting that happened in Kansas City, right? This was during Nikki Haley text on Donald Trump in her home state. Yes, let's go. Okay, so two men charged with the murder in Kansas City Chiefs rally shooting. We all heard about this. This was at the end of the parade at this uh, big convention center in Kansas City where the championship rally was happening last week. There's a personal dispute that happens within the rally in which... Uh, two gentlemen begin to beef. One chases the other one. We'll get into it more. And shots are fired. A woman is dead. Many people are injured, including children. And, uh, you know, of course, the pushes are for gun control, gun control, gun control. So let's read some of this article. Two men were charged with murder and the other felony charges for their roles in the mass shooting after a Kansas City Chiefs championship rally last week. Jackson County Prosecutor John Peters Baker said... Tuesday, it's probably Gene, but I like Jean. I like that. Lindell Mays of Raytown and Dominic M. Miller of Kansas City were both charged with second-degree murder, unlawful use of a weapon, and two counts of armed criminal action, the prosecutor's office said. They are being held on $1 million bond. According to the investigation, Mays was in a verbal argument with another person that escalated, and Mays then drew a handgun. Almost immediately, Miller and others pulled their firearms, leading to a shootout. Baker said the two did not know each other before that day. There is actually... I have another article. It's also a CNN article, but it's a better breakdown. 
of the incident. So let's read that one instead. <clears throat> I thought it was this one. Boom. Boom. Yep, here we go. Okay, two juveniles have been detained in connection with Wednesday's shooting following the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration rally, which left one dead and more than 20 wounded. At least 23 victims have, victims have been identified, including a 43-year-old woman who died, Police Chief Stacy Graves said at a, Tuesday conference, a news conference Tuesday. The other 22 victims range in age from 8 to 47, Graves said, adding that half are younger than 16. The shooting appears to have been a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire, Graves said, noting there is no indication of a nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. On Wednesday, Graves said three people have been detained and an, and an unspecified number of guns recovered by police. Oh yeah, we got to talk about the gun thing because they said someone in here at the bottom that don't make no fucking sense. On Thursday, a Kansas City police spokesperson told CNN one person who was in custody was determined to not be involved. Two juvenile teens remain in custody for further investigation, police said. Several law enforcement officials similarly told CNN that sh the shooting was believed to have been the result of a personal dispute in the area and not an attack on the celebration itself. So the youth have to be the people that were some of the people that were tackled because they're talking and they're saying two juvenile teens remained in custody for a further investigation, but the people who did the shooting were both grown men they were both the other article had their ages i don't remember what it said they were it doesn't super matter but they were adults uh so it has to be the other children or the people that were tackled outside i'm sure most of you guys have seen that footage um lindo rays okay no i'm sorry i thought it said that they were there's a picture that's a, that's not a teenager that guy's a grown man it can't, there can't be. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Let's keep reading this article. Uh, on Wednesday, Graves said that three people have been detained. An unspecified number of guns recovered by police. On Thursday, a Kansas City police spokesperson told CNN one person who was in custody was determined not to be involved. Two juvenile teens remain in custody for further investigation. Police said several law enforcement officials similarly told CNN the shooting was believed to have been the result of a personal dispute in the area, not an attack on the celebration itself. One of those officials said the people in custody are believed to have been involved in the dispute and that initially 10 people were questioned. The status of the other seven who were questioned is unclear. Police have yet to file any charges, Graves said at Thursday's news conference, telling reporters the investigation was ongoing and her department was looking, working closely with the office of Jackson County Prosecutor Jean Peters Baker. Baker vowed to get answers in a post on X Thursday morning, writing in part, I will use every tool at my disposal under Missouri law that allows me to address this tragedy. The gunfire Wednesday erupted after an estimated one million people gathered steps from the Union Station uh, in downtown Kansas City, Missouri, for the parade and rally to mark the Chiefs' repeat championship win, sending fans running for cover as law enforcement swarmed the area, confetti still blowing in the wind. Four hospitals received 30 patients, 19 with gunshot wounds from the shooting. Their staffs told CNN. Children's Mercy Hospital received 11 children between ages 6 and 15, nine who had been shot from the scene. Uh, hospital spokesperson Lisa Augustine said three children remained in the hospital Thursday. They are expected to recover from their injuries, said Children's Mercy Hospital Chief Nursing Staff Officer Stephanie Meyer. The shooting was the second in a year at the major at a major U.S. sporting celebration. Two people were wounded in June at Denver as Denver fans left a parade for the NBA Nuggets. It marked yet another place where the sense of I don't remember that one. In June. Let's take a look. 
Uh, marking another place where a sense of safety was punctured by gun violence with Americans, churches, schools, grocery stores, outlet malls already marred by shootings. Parades, rallies, schools, movies, it seems like almost nothing is safe, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas said Wednesday. Wednesday was at least the 48th mass shooting in the United States so far this year, according to the Gun Violence Archive, which, like CNN, counts those in which four or more are shot, not including a perpetrator. The woman who was killed led a party. We're absolutely devastated the loss of an amazing person who gave so much to the KKFI and KC community. Station spokesperson Kelly Doherty said in an email to CNN. Oh, radio DJ Lisa Lopez-Galvin. Uh, Lopez-Galvin leaves behind an incredible legacy, said Manny uh, Abarca, a, can- a Jackson County, Missouri legislator who was at the parade with his daughter. He knew Lopez-Galvin, a member of a very large family of civic leaders actively involved with the city's Latino community. She was the light at every party. She was oftentimes a voluntary DJ when everyone needed one for the community event, who told CNN this morning. Members of Lopez Galvin's family are among those injured during the family, according to Facebook posts of the mayor of Lee Summit, a suburb about 20 miles southeast of Kansas City. Um, There are multiple people, police detained, spokesperson tackled by fans. Paul Contreras was at the event with his daughters when people started running. He saw someone moving in the opposite direction and heard someone yell to stop him. He told CNN's Aaron Burnett on Wednesday, Contreras hit the person from behind and tackled him, knocking a gun to the ground. He said two other attendees then helped hold the person down. He was fighting the whole time. Contreras said we were fighting to keep him down. Police handcuffed the person pinned to the ground. Video showed, though it is unclear if that person was among those police detained. We are working. Police handcuffed the person pinned to the ground. Video shows, though it's unclear if the person who was among those police detained. What the fuck are you saying? We are working to determine if one of the three are one that was a video where fans assisted police, Graves said. Jacob Gooch, who was shot in the ankle, told CNN's Aaron Burnett on Thursday night he heard a woman say someone... Say to someone, not now, this isn't the place, right before gunshots were fired. The next moments were chaos. Gooch said he thought the noise were fireworks, even though he saw, even after he saw smoke coming out of his ankle while debris flew all around. As people began rushing by, he fell to the ground and tried to crawl away, realizing he'd been hit. Gooch said that his wife and 13-year-old son were also shot. Expressing the feelings and words is just near impossible right now, he said. It's scary. You can't even fathom something like this happening to you. You know it happens, but you never expect it to happen to you. The FBI established a tip website urging the police to submit. I'm going to look at comments really quick. Make sure. Thank you very much. Love you, buddy. I'd rather have them houses in cheap housing than with strict anti-drug and forced light rehab and community service than not be able to walk around certain streets. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Back and forth until all hell broke loose. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Back and forth until all hell broke loose. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? I wonder why. (laughs) This fucking comments thing is really fucking me up. Um, then thank you, Tiffany, um, about the birthday. This is fucking me up. The comments thing, how one official helped save lives. Officials with the university health, Kansas city hospital said in Thursday news, if you're going to comment, <laughs> keep them general. Something that I can address potentially 30 minutes after you say it. I'm so sorry about the comments things, guys. I promise I'll get this. I can get a new laptop is what this is saying to me because I can't. This will not work. Um, One of the two patients who were in critical condition were likely saved by actions of one local fire official. Dr. Dustin Neal said the director, medical director of the Kansas City Fire Department is also an emergency medical physician here. She was at the scene and was, excuse me, able to triage those patients appropriately, very quickly, efficiently, which ultimately allowed the sickest people to get to us first. I'm going to stop here for just a second and I'm going to advocate for you guys to carry medical, right? Um, 
We talk about carrying guns all the time. We talk about making sure that you can defend yourself. That obviously, obviously, right? That goes without saying. These things, we, we, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but the intervention of innocent civilians and willing civilians who were in the area is what helped stop this. And we'll talk about like the Joel Osteen shooting, the shooting that happened in his church too, because it's the same type of deal, right? It's good people in the area that are helping deal with these things, helping end these these fucking problems, these chaos, these situations, right? The other aspect of that is is responding. So I have to, I feel um, obligated to take this moment to advocate for you guys to carry medical equipment on you. I'm not talking about, you know, an entire backpack full of stuff. I'm talking about if you have a backpack with you, put a medical kit in it, definitely. And if you don't have some type of medical on you at at all times, right? I'm being slightly hypocritical that I don't carry it on my person. I have medical within very close range of me at all times. And that doesn't mean I shouldn't have it on my person because in the car is in the car. If I'm in a store, like it is, right? But when we go places, when my family goes places, I have, uh, I'll show it to you guys because um, it's this bigger medical kit that I have on my plate carrier. So This is the one that I take with me um, when we go places. If we're going to go anywhere public with the family um, that's outside of the house and we're going to be away from our cars, I have this medical kit with me, right? And this is the one that also goes on my kit on like my plate carrier. So there's a tourniquet in here. There's hemostatic gauze in here. There's chest seals in here. There's all kinds of stuff, right? That's going to address any of the issues that I might run into. There's also a boo-boo kit just there's like a very simple stuff band-aids little the things that you're going to use more often than not right like i said there's also cat tourniquet in here like these these things are all super important um to have with you for situations like this because they're saying you know this woman who happened to be there at the time she was able to triage these people and that's how some of them were able to survive right it's up to you it's up to all of us to to be the difference in situations like this you can make a difference and it's up to you to do that too uh, i'm not asking i am i'm asking you to go above and beyond because that's what we do in america that's that is your job that's your duty as an american is to go above and beyond to be the fucking difference right so carry these things know how to use them it's very very simple to know how to use this stuff it you could be the difference between whether or not somebody survives and doesn't if they're shot in the leg and you have a tourniquet that you can throw on there to help them survive a few more minutes to make it to the hospital until someone that's more uh high, more highly trained than you are if you're just a regular person if you're not a medical professional if you're not a nurse or anything like that <clears throat> you could be the difference you can be the difference you can help save somebody's life so if you're going especially anywhere that is big like this, that is a large group setting. Obviously I'm going to advocate for you to carry a firearm. I'm, I'm going to advocate for you to, to protect yourself all the time. I, I have a gun on me. I'm in my house. I'm in the studio. I have a gun on me right here. You got to defend yourself. You have to protect yourself, right? That's it's vitally important. Very, very, very important. The other side of that is knowing how to save yourself and the people around you, knowing how to help yourself, right? Things happen all the time, but this type of stuff, these horrible events are easily shifted by people who are prepared being in the area and people who are willing to help. So I have to take that moment to advocate for that because 
that's it's the right thing to be doing um Back to the article. The first person who arrived, that's in critical condition. He Had he not made it here as fast as he did, he might not be with us now. He's sustained extremely life-threatening injuries. This is what I'm talking about, right? This is a proximity thing, that he was quick enough. This was quick. That happened. If they can't, if it's going to take time, if there's still an active shooter there, if this doesn't get ended immediately, if there's still active shooting going on, it could be several minutes, if not longer, until somebody makes it to that person who was injured. You have to be the difference. You have to be the difference, man. This is what we do here. That's, this is what sets America apart from everybody else. We are willing to be the difference. We all, as a community, as a people, we're willing to be the difference. That's what we do here. Raise your children to be better. You raise yourself. You work yourself to be better, right? Try angle. Fucking Kevin talks about this all the time. You try from a different angle. You try harder. Teach yourself to be better. Teach the people around you to be better. Better than everybody else. That's what we do here. That's what we do in America. So just be the difference, you know? Thanks to the fire officials' help, the person that person was taken straight to the operating room. That patient improved overnight, and improved overnight, and there are plans for more operations Thursday. Neil said. So there we go. I thought this one had the better breakdown of the actual event that happened, and maybe I was wrong, but um, boom, boom. no, here it is. Charging documents released by the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office further. Uh, offer further details of what happened before, during, and after the shooting, including alleged confessions from the two men charged with the murder. Citing surveillance footage, video of the shooting, a probable cause statement says the shooting began with a confrontation between two groups. Mays got into a verbal confrontation with a group of people and approached them in an aggressive and angry manner, according to the statement. He then allegedly... Check in the comments... Um, he then allegedly pulled out a handgun, pointed it at one of the individuals, and began chasing and shooting at him. Okay, so one guy... Walks up to a group and pulls out a handgun and points it at one guy and starts chasing him. So he's leaving the other group behind him, right? Other individuals, the other people he left behind, took out their firearms and appeared to start shooting at Mays, who was struck by gunfire, the statement said. Miller, meanwhile, allegedly positioned himself in a crowd of people, pulled out a firearm and appeared to begin shooting the statement says an unidentified person shot Miller in the lower back, causing him to fall to the ground. The statement says so Miller, I think is the other guy they were talking about. Yes. So, okay. So the guy was being chased. He stops, he turns, he points his gun, starts shooting a maze. And then that guy gets shot by somebody else. Maze was found wounded and taken to the hospital for treatment in a hospital interview two days. I wonder if that guy was shot by, Another degenerate or a responsible civilian who was there with a gun. I would imagine there's metal detectors in that big ass center, but well, fucking can't be. There's dudes brought guns in there. Ridiculous. Mays was found wounded and taken to the hospital for treatment. In a hospital interview two days after the shooting, Mays told detectives he started shooting because the other said, I'm going to get you, the statement said. Well, you're chasing the man with a gun. Stupid man just pulled a gun out and started shooting, Mays allegedly said, according to the probable cause statement. I shouldn't have done that. Just being stupid. This is what I was talking about, this gun thing, right? A Glock 9mm handgun was found near Mays, contained six rounds and a 15-round capacity magazine, according to the documents. The firearm had been stolen in Kansas City, Missouri, the document state. So he's a fucking criminal anyway, right? So running around with a stolen firearm. So these calls for... Renewed gun legislation. We need stricter gun laws. We need more uh, harder enforcement, right? It doesn't matter. 
This, this doesn't matter. These men are fucking criminals anyway. It doesn't matter how many laws you pass. It doesn't matter how many... It doesn't matter how many laws you pass. It doesn't matter how many more rules you make or how difficult it make you make it for someone to legally purchase a firearm. If these people are stealing guns, it doesn't matter how hard it is to buy one. If these people are stealing guns, they're illegally altering them. It doesn't matter how difficult it is to buy those things if they're doing it illegally. If they're getting the guns illegally, they're going to get the 15-round magazines also illegally, right? Whether they have to steal those from somebody who already has them or they have to find someone to buy them from, they're going to do this regardless. So this push that comes out instantly, you know, that we need to fucking ban these magazines and we need, we need harsher gun laws, we need stricter gun laws, we need all of this stuff, it's all dog shit. We know that. You know that. You're watching the show. You know that. It's all dog shit. This is a thinly veiled attempt to wrench down tighter and tighter on your ability to defend yourself, right? The difference was, we see that here. The difference in this situation was the people around them. For the people outside, for the two people who were tackled, the youth that were tackled, that was people outside. Right? Those were other people who put themselves in harm's way to try and end that situation. Potentially, a, a responsible person shot down one of these guys. And it might have been another one of the other degenerates. I don't know. Right, I don't know at this point in time how this guy Miller was gunned down. But that's how these things get solved. Right, The government is not there to solve them. Even, even here with... Hundreds, let's say let's say tens of police, it is hundreds of police officers. I have to imagine with a million people there, it has to be uh, hundreds of police officers, right? They are first responders. All they can do is respond. They cannot be there all of the time when something happens. You have to be lucky for them to be there and be prepared to also do something because we've seen many, many, many first responders also not be able to, or willing or anything to respond and do something, do their job, right? We saw this man with the acorn that fell in his police car, unloaded his magazine into his car. These people, many of these people, should not be first responders. They should not be law enforcement agents. They should not be involved with the state and have a gun in their hand and have the ability and the power to put you in a fucking cage. They shouldn't. They should not. But they do. It is incumbent upon you to be able to defend yourself. They will not protect you. They cannot protect you. The government will not protect you. It is up to you. That is why these things, it is so important to push back against these things. Because all you have is yourself. Yourself, the people around you, right? This Joel Austin shooting, that has the shooting that happened in his church, it's off-duty police officers that are there at the time. I believe they're running security, right? People who are there to defend the people around them. It's not the government, right? They are, they are police officers. I have to imagine... There would be other people if there weren't police officers. There are there other individuals who are carrying firearms, right? This one was able to walk in. That woman was able to walk in with an AR and start blasting that way. There have to be other people who are concealed carrying their church, right? It's you that makes the difference. All they can do is respond. If you are there, you have to be able to make a difference. You have to. You have to. It is incumbent upon you. It is impressed upon you by me, by America, by your heritage, by your blood. You have to do more. You have to be better. You have to. That's, that's the only thing that makes this difference. If you don't do that, if we don't as a society, not as a government, not as a, a country, as, as people, if we don't try harder, if we don't fill that gap, the government will. They absolutely will. They're trying to do it right now. They're finding ways to do it, even when they had nothing to do with the solution. They're already saying, you have to give us more power. We need more rules for you to live under, for you to be safe. When the people who are breaking the rules aren't fucking listening anyway. 
This makes no sense. This is all an attempt to remove your rights from you. You should not stand for this. You have to push back against it. The way to do that is be the fucking difference. When you when you are the difference, there is there's also a, a two-pronged effect, right, that goes on here. The people around you that are choosing, if we've talked about that are abdicating their own responsibility for safety and they're putting it in the hands of the state, which is a mistake. When events like this happened, it they are their mistakes are exposed to them. There are two options at that point for them. They can grab onto what the state is saying like they've done before, or they can recognize that it is you, their brethren, their fellow citizen that made that difference, not the government, right? That's what they can realize. So the more times that we are able to be the difference, the more times that we as fellow citizens, as brothers and sisters are able to be that difference and stop these things ourselves, the more people that we convince that this is the right way, the more people that we convince and show the government will not help you, it is us that will help you. You need to rely on us. You need to renew your sense in community, the people around you, the trust, the love in the people around you so that you want to defend yourself. You want to defend the people around you. That's the point here. The government cannot do this for you. It is only us that can do it for ourselves and for each other. We have to. It's the only choice that we have. And if we want to convince people, the the lost sheep around us, we want to convince them that this is the way, then we have to do that, right? No, we need better citizens. Teach as many as you can to do better. Oh, in nursing school, we were taught it is a very litigious society to always ask before you perform any aid. No, we need... Yeah, and I... um. So, Tiffany, you are... Totally not wrong. Uh, my grandmother was a kidney nurse for like uh, 20 years or something like that, right? And when she first got into nursing school, um, they drove, she was with my mother in a car, and they drove past a car accident, right? And my mom's like, are you going to stop? Beth, are you going to stop? Grandma, you have to stop, right, mom? My grandma said, fuck no. Those people could take my license away, and I'm not putting my license on the line for that. So that's you are not wrong about that. There are a lot of people that are willing to do that. So there is a difference, right? There is oftentimes it's called a good Samaritan exemption or good Samaritan uh, protections, something to this nature, that if you are just acting in your best interest and the best interest of people around you, you have a certain amount of legal protection, right? Obviously, I'm not telling you to treat anybody who is actively denying you, but chances are if someone around you is suffering from a gunshot wound and you say, I have a tourniquet, they're probably going to accept that help, right? That's more of like what I'm getting at. Um, and so you, you're not wrong about the litigious society, Um so maybe if you have a medical license or something that it could be taken away from you, then maybe think twice. But um, I, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to still tell you that to be the difference. That's still what I'm going to advocate for is to to be that change and to be better on that end. Um, that doesn't remove the danger, doesn't remove uh, any of that. But I think that that's more than likely that it's going to be worth it in my particular instance. Um, so that's, uh, oh, I, I had, I had made my point about convincing people, right? So, um, let me cross this off here. Gun laws, people are criminals anyway. It's not a legal issue. It's a societal issue. Um, yeah. So let's talk about this, right? Um, cause I think that we've read pretty much all that we need to, no, no, no. I'm going to talk about this gun thing really quick, right? Uh, Miller, so we talked about the Glock, right? So the Glock was found. Miller, who had a gunshot wound 
was tackled and disarmed by a witness who saw him carrying a handgun, according to the statement. In a hospital interview two days after the shooting, he said he was armed with a Taurus G3 9mm handgun and said he returned fire after he saw someone shooting at him, according to the statement. Right? So he did. He stopped in the crowd. He turned. He's shooting with a Taurus G3 9mm handgun. The next paragraph. A 38 caliber bullet was recovered during an autopsy of Lopez Galvin and a ballistic comparison of the bullet determined it was fired from the Taurus weapon, according to the statement. A 9mm and a 38 are not the same thing. They're not even close to the same thing. I... God damn it. That's... Ah! I thought... Do I have a 357? It also shoots 38s. Okay. So, let's take a look at these, right? I Because I did them... I don't know what's up with this. I don't know if this is a CNN issue. I don't know if this is uh, a police issue. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But this doesn't make sense. What they're saying here about the bullets, right? So he he shoots that guy. Miller shoots a, a Taurus G three, a nine millimeter handgun, right? That's that bullet right there is a nine millimeter. Okay. They then said that they recovered a 38 caliber bullet from Lopez. So that's the Jesus. This is the 38. That's the nine millimeter. So what's happening here? Uh, let me go to OBS to make sure that these things are focusing. Um, oh my God. I'm really excited, guys. I'm just so excited. 38, 9mm. How are these things the same? How do you... The, the projectiles are different sizes. So where does this 38 caliber bullet... Do they, are they the same bullet? Is that what they're getting at? That, like, the projectile? But I don't... I suppose I don't know. The casing is smaller on the 9mm. These cannot be the same. There cannot be the same projectile. The casing is smaller on the 9mm. What is happening here? What is happening here? Somehow we are living in a world in which they're saying that this bullet, this 38, came out of this 9mm handgun. The bullets are different. So I'm not... I'm not except I'm not exempting anybody from anything because almost certainly he did commit this shooting. He he admitted that he he started blasting. So I started blasting, right? But where does this come from that it's his handgun that takes this woman's life when he shoots a nine millimeter handgun and they recover a thirty eight caliber bullet? Or th- I how does that work? Um, so yeah, I don't know whose mistake that is i don't know like i said if that's a cnn mistake or if the police lied to them or made a mistake or what but something is wrong here um i find that very odd many things are wrong here actually but that is just this one with the particular firearm so i want to talk about some larger issues right um i i was uh, let's say distraught, right? I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Distraught by this. I think a lot of people were very disturbing to see 
this type of action happen, to see this many people that are injured, to see children like this that are injured, to see a woman lose her life, right? This is a horrible, horrible thing to happen. Um, I am struck by the complete lack of consideration or care for the people around you. It's like it, it's it's beyond foreign to me, right? Here I am telling you that you should to be the difference. I'm here advocating for you to carry medical so that you can protect the people around you. And there are people who are willing to draw their firearm, right? I'll, I'll simulate, we'll, we'll make sure that we're clear, okay? Who are willing to draw firearm and fire randomly into a crowd to hit somebody that they're angry at. Because if they're running, right? They're, they're not running like this. They're not running with two hands on the gun. They're not walking in a slow and measured pace so that they can try and actually make good hits, right? He's running and he's got one hand out and he's shooting the fucking gun. There is a half a million people inside of this center because the parade is ending here and he is firing wildly with one hand, allegedly, allegedly firing wildly with one hand, trying to hit another person who is running in front of him. That person then turns around, may or may not put two hands on the gun, also begins to fire randomly into a crowd. He's upset, understandably. Someone's trying to chase him with a gun. He's angry. His anxiety is up. His adrenaline is up. He's not going to be shooting straight. In all likelihood, he shoots uh, maybe once a year. And when he does, it's probably mag dumping into trash. He's probably not doing it in a measured way to try and, and increase his accuracy, to try and hone in, anything like that. He's not trying to refine his technique. Nothing like this is happening, right? In all likelihood... He is maybe shooting once a year. He may or may not even have, you know, an entire magazine. I've seen, and there's a ton of these, like, uh, police footage and stuff like this that I'm watching. The amount of time that people get pulled over, they have an illegal handgun, and the magazine is half-loaded with a bunch of random fucking bullets doesn't make any sense to me, right? You have a gun. You're not even prepared to get into an actual gunfight. You're prepared to fire a few random fucking pot shots and hope that you don't die. This isn't responsible. This isn't courage. This isn't anything, right? This is nothing other than negligence and inconsideration for anything other than yourself. It is a complete focus on the self and removal of everything else around you. Um, to be so wrapped up in your own life and so disconnected from reality that you can impact the lives of other people without a second thought is fucking insane because the, the guy who may is whatever whichever one of them doesn't really matter you know he's hemmed up and he's oh it's, it's stupid man it was just stupid i just started fucking shooting right you're an adult right you're a grown man you're a grown fucking adult now you realize now that you're in handcuffs now that someone else is dead now that children are wounded on the ground now that they've been brought to hospitals now you recognize that you fucked up that it was stupid it was just a mistake to do that right i've carried a handgun every day for probably four years Every day for four years, I've had the opportunity to pull out a handgun and randomly fucking shoot down somebody that I don't like. That would be stupid. Is that okay? Does that, does that excuse my fucking behavior? Because, oh, I was just fucking stupid, man. I've had bad interactions. You don't get to just pull your fucking handgun and shoot somebody because you don't like them. It doesn't work that way. That's not how any of this works. To try and fold this into society and, and expect that these this group of people, this group of people with zero consideration zero care and all the negligence in the world can exist in the same place as people who are willing to put their own lives on the line and stop them it's difficult to comprehend i don't see a world how how that continues to happen right that is 
the breakdown of society. People being able to being willing and able to ignore the existence of other people around them to pursue their own deadly feats is horrific. These people being able to exist like this and around people who are just trying to live peacefully and trying to enjoy a fucking parade, right? Whether it be bread and circuses or not is the downfall of society. The allowing of that to happen is the downfall of society. We cannot allow this anymore for those people to not receive the full societal punishment. I'm not state, blah, 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 whatever, right? Is to seek the downfall of America. That's, that's what that is. To allow that to happen is the downfall of society. To remove people's ability to expunge that from society themselves is the downfall. That is how you remove people's power. That's this is wrong. We've talked a ton about rights on this show, right? Rights are rights are eternal. They are inherent within you. They are instilled in you in the creator, whoever you believe that is. That is where they come from, right? There's not a person on the planet who has more rights than you, who has better rights than you, superior rights than you, nothing. We all have the same rights, okay? Those rights deserve to exist. They deserve to be defended all the way up until the point that your rights start to infringe other people's. Start to infringe other people's, right? And you deserve all the protections of the world until you abuse those rights. When you use your rights to harm other people, when you use your rights to remove somebody else's ability to have a happy and a free life, pursue happiness, you begin to give up those rights. You're giving them away. You're abusing those rights. You don't have the ability to do that. That's not how this works. You don't get to use your rights to harm other people. You give up those protections, especially the societal ones, when you choose to do that, right? I'm not – taking a life is never a good thing. Never. When you start to fire randomly in a crowd, you give up your right to exist like that. It doesn't work that way. When you don't care for the people, you don't get to be here anymore. I'm not saying he used to be fucking murdered execution style. Right. But the point of this, the point of you being the difference, fuck, I'm walking a hairy line with calls me here. The point of you being the difference so that you can be there to do something about that. That behavior doesn't deserve to exist in this society. We don't do that here. We don't fire randomly into crowds and indiscriminately harm women and children and people who have nothing to do with our dispute. Right. It's not like. It's not like they're they're challenging each other to a duel and they're fucking meeting in a park and they're taking 10 paces and turning and shooting, right? This is a different deal. I don't, you want to duel somebody, I don't give a shit if you want to duel somebody, right? You don't get to beef with them in a public place and directly endanger a million other people around you. It does not work that way. None of this is acceptable. Um, so I've thought a lot about like why is this happening, right? Because I heard just earlier this week about it being a personal dispute. I don't know. I don't think I'd given it a whole lot of thought to it prior to that. But then I hear on Tim Cass that it's a, they're like supposedly it's a personal dispute. Like one guy's beef with another guy. He walks up and they start blasting. Right? So I start blasting. 
why the fuck is this happening? That's what I'm thinking about the last couple of days is why is this happening? How do we get to this point where people are willing to do that? I just don't understand it. Like I said, I carry a gun every day. There isn't a situation in the world in which I'm going to fucking start shooting randomly into a crowd to try and hit somebody who's running away from me. I don't, I don't get it. How do we get here? Right. Um, so I just got to think about society. I gotta think about the people around us. Think about the way that we're developing the different uh, ideologies that existing around us. I hope it wasn't too loud. I just saw that it was getting up in the yellow a little bit. Hopefully it wasn't too loud for you guys. So I'm thinking about all these things. And, um, Feelings have become a focal point for uh, much of the world, right? We've seen at universities and uh, regular public schools and your own lives, if you have any type of like corporate job or something, you probably take some DI training or something like this, right? Uh, or at least you've heard about it. You know these things are existing, right? Feelings have become the focal point. So I have people like Ben Shapiro that are saying, you know, facts don't care about your feelings and like this type of stuff. It's just to cut directly against these things. Um, this doesn't go away in the inner city. It doesn't go away when you are living in a world of crime and gangs and fucking bullshit, right? All of those things still exist there. Um, it reaches a very interesting crossover point with, with respect, right? Where the fabricated existence of respect, uh, is the main currency. And I say fabricated existence because respect is a kind of a subjective term, but I think that we, at least the people listening to the show, would agree that you know you, the type of respect that you're getting when you're operating your lifestyle like this, when you're you're selling drugs to people, or you're fucking, I'm I'm, I'm totally creating a, a fabricated image, right? When you're doing these things, when you're doing nefarious activities, you're taking advantage of other people. That's probably the best way. When you're infringing on other people's rights to to move yourself forward, right? When respect is the currency in a world like that, that's not real. That isn't real respect when you're hurting other people, when you're selling drugs and you're willing to shoot other people and you're committing crimes. This isn't real respect. This is a fabricated respect that you have only in that world. Because over here, we don't respect you. We don't think that you're cool. We don't, it's movies, there's all the, you know, there's whatever. There's the Scarfaces, the things. But in reality, right, somebody who's willing in a general sense to infringe other people's rights to get their own way is not someone who's going to get respect in this society that we want to live in that we're trying to build that we're trying to exist in here right so that's that's fabricated and when that's the main currency when no real respect is earned people feel like it has to be taken right because i think those people also know the people that are existing in this fabricated existence with fabricated respect as their currency, they know that's not real. They also know that it's not real. They know in their in their hearts and their bellies, right, that that isn't real. They can feel it, and that's why it happens like this. That's why they continue to pursue these actions. That's why they continue to take from people. It's because they're missing something. They're, they're trying to fill that space, the respect, the things that they desire that they want, and they're never going to get it in the places they're looking for it. That's why they continue down those pathways. That's why they keep perpetrating those actions. It's because it's it's, it's just a chasing the dragon type of thing. It's never going to get better, you know. So, um, when when all this is happening, and you're you're slur you're searching for respect, and, and you can't find it, you're trying to take it from people. You're still not finding it. There's power struggles. Then you're taken from people, so of course they're upset because the whole their feeling is getting bigger because you're taking more from them, right? These that's how these these beefs happen. That's how the issues happen. It's because people are struggling with each other over power, over dominance, over respect, over money, right? Over things that aren't 
they're fabricated, right? They're not real. It's, when this happens in a world that in places that are rife with illegally owned and poorly maintained firearms, right? Um, there's a lot of bad shit that happens. This is how it turns out, right? We know, uh, I don't know who the quote came from, but it is, um, you know, God made man equal and then God made man, Samuel Colt made them all equal, right? So this is speak to the point that Firearms are the great, are the greatest equalizer in the world, and some of the greatest force magnifiers that there is. Right, so I, I know I'm talking a lot. About, well, I'm the only one here, so I'm going to talk a lot. But in in this in this world that I'm building for you here, in this scene that I'm building for you, that's rife with these guns, where people are constantly fighting for something that isn't real, and they're trying to build their they're centering that in their lives, I mean, that's completely fabricated. When they're then handed the world's greatest force equalizer, people die. And it's a force equalizer because in this type of world when, like I said, people aren't training, you know, it's not like they're going shooting or they're even carrying in a holster or they're doing anything responsible, right? They don't, they're not responsible gun owners. They're fucking degenerates and they're criminals. And when that's the existence that you have around firearms, it is a force equalizer because a poorly trained 16-year-old is the same thing as a poorly trained 35-year-old. It doesn't matter if they just pulled you up to the streets or if you're an OG and you've been there for a long time. If you both shoot once a year and you just magged up with a fucking Glock switch into the desert or into the fucking side of a tree or something, you're both the same thing. You both can turn your back and turn your head and fire a gun, and you both have the same likelihood of hitting the other person. It's a forced equalizer. It equalizes the playing field for everybody there. Where here, right in the in the fucking real world, right, it is a force equalizer to the extent that someone else can be carrying a gun just like I can. But if you're not training like I am, I'm going to shoot you first. You're not going to win. I am. I'm going to hit first. And that's how that's going to go. In that world, it isn't like that. It's just whoever has the biggest gun with the biggest fucking magazine and the fastest switch, that's who's going to win, right? It isn't skill. There's nothing to determine that other than arbitrary pieces of equipment that any of them can obtain this is all a futile search for that respect and so in getting in this same world when status is your life when respect is your life and that's the only thing that you have because everything else is being taken from you from one place or another whether it is the government or the other people around you everything is being taken away from you your your choice, your options, your control over your own life. You're unwilling to lose or back down from any scenario that is going to come your way. So the guns come out first. That's what happens first is the guns start to come out. And the finality of the weapons and the scenarios, they're missing from these people. And that's evidenced by this guy, Mazer, whichever one it was. It was like, oh, it's stupid. I just was a stupid thing that I'd done that. They have no idea. There is zero comprehension of what the real circumstances or real outcomes of a situation like that are even though in all likelihood they have lost somebody they know to gun violence they still don't get it there is a complete disconnection between themselves and reality and i think this is one of those factors that they don't they don't know who they are right this isn't 
we're talking about the gun laws or this isn't a legal issue it's a societal issue it's a social issue we have groups of people that are existing in the country that don't care about its future and they don't care about the other people that are around them or even themselves and they have no sense of responsibility because it's been removed from them by a system that also removes their power, their control, their everything over their lives. They are controlling everything around them. They have nothing, no way to control their own lives. It fucks with them. It, it fucks with anybody, right? They revolt. That's why they're searching for that respect. They're searching for power. They're searching for something because they can't get it anywhere else, and they have to try and make it themselves. And it's just it's a false existence that they've that they've built themselves in. And if you're born into a lie and you live your whole life as a lie, you're gonna be super upset. I'm not blaming any of them. I'm not. Anybody who lives in this lifestyle, because I fucking am friends with people who almost, who are lucky to have removed themselves from that, right? So I'm not blaming anybody for this. I am telling you, it's not real. This is not real, what you're searching for. So they they have to fabricate it. I'm sorry, I, I got ahead of myself, lost myself a little bit. So they're not control. They're not in control of anything. They're not even in control of themselves. And that's clearly evidenced by the fact that one man was so upset by whatever the personal discretion was that he was willing to chase somebody and shoot at them and then be gunned down by somebody else. Can't even control his own emotions. They're not in control of their own lives. They control nothing about themselves. And it's the same exact thing with this fucking woman at the Joel Austin Center, right? And I we don't get into this type of stuff too much right she's uh you know identifying all the wrong way and the wrong way identifying in a she's a trans person right she's a trans person she's identifying as a different race at least in these like police documents that are coming out this woman doesn't know who she is none of these people know who they are they have no sense or grasp on who they are as a person and so they can't identify as a person in other people they can't see that in somebody else they don't have the ability to recognize the humanity there and so they don't care if something bad happens to the people around them it doesn't make a difference because they're so fucking dead and broken inside that that's just the real life embodiment of what they feel like on the inside you know that isn't a, it's not a whole existence it's not real it's because it's fabricated that's what i was getting at is that it's impossible for them to be to feel whole because the world that they're living in is not real. Um, a degradation of a spirit and will. Uh, there is no excuse for lack of responsibility, which is why the men are guilty of more than just their legal crimes, right? They have let themselves down. Jesus Christ, am I fucking... No. The YouTube thing is just playing weird shit is what it's doing. Um, I don't like it. Sorry, I got thrown off. I saw the starting thing playing on the back of the YouTube, and I... That really confused me. Um, degradation of spirit and will, excuse for lack of responsibility. They've let themselves down as well with their community. Yeah, it's... I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I think that you guys kind of understand what I'm getting at with this. And when I was talking about the, the degenerative behaviors, like a, the downfall of society, we have to stand up against this type of thing. Um, if we allow that to propagate and get worse, it's just going to bring down everybody else 
around them, everybody uh, around us, and we can't allow that type of thing. Um, responsible citizens had roles in stopping both the situations, and this is what good people want. It is undoubtedly what they want. They don't actually want government involvement. They don't really want more control. They want freedom. I promise you that. Good people want freedom. And if we show them the truth of that, we show them the reality, they will find that. They will discover it. They will search for it themselves. Um, I believe that to be true. So I think that I'm going to take a break really quick, and I'm going to grab a beer, and I'm going to blow my nose and go pee. And so we'll be back in just a few minutes for a... for the next part of this, there's going to be part two. I think I just end up taking one break today. We're talking some 2024 when we get back. Um, we'll talk about some Donald Trump stuff, a little bit of immigration, and then we have some grab stuff that we're going to get into. So like I said, if we have some extra time, maybe we'll talk about some foreign aid stuff. I don't have a, too much about that. So we'll be back in just a few minutes for we'll call part two or the second half of episode 165. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I know that the YouTubes are doing weird things today i don't exactly know what the deal is i don't exactly know where you guys are at where you can hear where you cannot hear um it seems like you're pretty on track with me so either way we'll be back in just a few minutes for the second half of this of course i'm donovan salt of the streets i want to thank you guys again for being here youtube.com slash salt of the streets like this subscribe share tell your friends about it while we're here of course we need more people to chat even if it's delayed even if it's doing whatever we use more people here. You can like, subscribe, share. You can follow us on our own personal social media. I'm at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Offie on both those things. Everything at saltofthestreets.com. Patreon.com slash salt of the streets. And with that, I'll be back in just a few minutes. Thank you guys very much. And thank you very much for joining us, everybody. My name is Donovan from Salt of the Streets. Of course, you're watching me here on YouTube.com slash salt of the streets. <clears throat> This is the second part of episode 165, a little solo episode that we got going on here for me and Afi. Um, had a great part one. Thank you guys again for joining me, for watching me. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends about this and all the things. Uh, YouTube.com. We have all this uh, on our own. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just thinking about chat stuff, blah, blah, blah. What do I want to say? We have our own personal social media, Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan. On Instagram, at Colin is at Bibberdoffy on both those things. Everything at saltofthestreets.com, including our Patreon, patreon.com slash saltofthestreets. Go there, subscribe, help us make more better content just like this. The SOS IDs, all those things. You get early, uncut access to the SOS ID if you are a patron at any level on the Patreon, including our newsletters coming out at the end of the month. We get another one here in five days. Ballin'. Um, so it's going to be great. Uh, we have a couple, I have a couple things for you for this Second half, we're going to talk a little bit of 2024 stuff. Um, and then a little bit of immigration stuff that we're going to talk about. And then I think we'll probably hit the grab back. We've been hitting a good pace today, just uh, just about two hours, just over two hours for this last part, which is pretty good. So talking to Colin about the chat issues, literally have no idea. Um, the stream is legit i checked the stream on my phone so it's current my stream playback is all fucked because that's shown me that it's like back at the very beginning um you know i thought the chat was like the chat seemed delayed at first and then it seemed on and then it seemed delayed again because like joseph was saying that he had to exit the chat and go back to see colin's chat so i have no idea we can't we have zero control over the chat um there's almost nothing we can do about it we can like remove people and talk to you guys but we can't 
there's nothing other than that that we can really control about it. I, my stream says excellent condition. Like I said, I checked on my phone. So the stream is actually like if you go on right now, it's it's current. It's where I am now. There's a very short lag. I don't know what the <clears throat> playback thing is. I, I have no idea. I know I have no idea what's going on here. Um, so I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I appreciate anybody who is watching afterwards, who is listening to me complain about chat issues that are relevant to you. But just know if you are listening afterwards, we do live stream this whole thing. You can't chat with us. Most of the time, it's pretty accurate. Today, for some reason, it is not. So let's talk about 2024, huh? Clear my throat really quick. I was sick last week. I still got a little bit of the stuff, you know? So a little bit sniffly, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit stuff, a little bit things. So let's talk about 2024, right? We've got the primaries incoming, uh, Carolina today, and then Michigan on Tuesday. Nikki Haley is still sticking with it. She's still sticking strong. Uh, I'm interested on you, why you guys think that she's still here, right? She gave an address last week. She brought a bunch of people together and she's like, I know that you guys are here probably thinking that I'm going to fucking drop out. Well, I'm not. I'm sticking with it. I tweeted her this week. I'm at least 80% sure that she is a cyborg because of the way that she talks. It's too measured. There's not enough emotion in it. It's totally heartless. I don't like it. I don't like Nikki Haley. I don't think it's good. Why is she still here? Um, the only thing that I can, easy thing that I can imagine, turn the heater back up, my hands are cold. Let me know if that's distracting for you guys, if you can hear it at all. The only thing I can really think is that she is receiving enough financial support from the party, from the powers that be, from like the real, the kingmakers, right, if you will, the big money donors, and enough assurance from them as much as they can give her that she will have an opportunity that she's sticking with it. Like if someone has to be convincing her or she must be convinced that she does have a chance to do it. Either that he's going to be removed from the ballot or that the, I, I don't know, because the vote thing doesn't make any sense. I don't see a way looking at votes and polls that she could think that she's going to overtake Donald Trump. The, the split that's happening in the Republican party is more and more apparent all the time. And I don't mean between like the Nikki Haley voters and the Donald Trump voters, because the vast majority seem to be Donald Trump voters. I mean, between like the voters and the establishment, um, those kingmakers I was talking about, the very system that they're a part of that selects the candidates is corrupt. And you got to separate yourself. Or we all have to separate ourselves from that because they're, they're single. This, can you guys hear that? Oh my God. Oh my God. Can you guys hear that? Let me look at the OBS game. Let me turn up sensitivity on this. Okay, tell me if, sorry, that's probably really loud. Tell me if you guys can hear that because that was the sound of this thing that Sam gave me. Sliding on the table, there's like a, you know, there's gotta be micro threads in here just from it being ground. That's a great sound. Wow, Sam. That's a great noise. I'm into that. Okay, so you got to separate ourselves from that because they're, they're boning you. They're absolutely trying to bone you. They're trying to and are single-handedly trying to dictate who you can and cannot vote for. They're trying to spoil the party. The party's their ballot spoiling right now. Shouldn't be doing this. Shouldn't be standing for this type of stuff. Right? The ballot spoiling is not a good look. Um, I don't understand it. 
the split in the party is a, a gross, gross thing to watch happen because it shows a clear motivation from both sides, right? Donald Trump is seems is very anti-war for the most part, right? Uh, you know, no new war started during during Donald Trump's term. Um, seems to be pretty anti-Ukraine war right now, pretty anti-Israel war for the most part. You know, support Israel, but uh, I. I pretty anti-war in the Middle East for the most part. He did a good job at quelling, you know, uh, North Korea. Uh, seems to deal with China pretty well. I Nikki Haley is already talking about sending boots into fucking Iran and doing war with Iran. Need to strike within Iran. She's not even president, right? So this shows you where the interest lay at. Now, Donald Trump seems to be uh, genuinely have the populist interest at heart, if you believe him to be an honest person. And Nikki Haley, I believe to be a sneaky snake in the grass um, because she's a very traditional politician. She's been working at the UN. She lies about shit. She's already shown to be lying about shit. I don't think that this is a woman that anybody should be trusting. You know, I get it. I understand I understand the appeal. I've said multiple times on the show, I know a few people, women in particular. It seems to be a woman thing in particular. They got a lady boner for Nikki Haley. They love the idea of a conservative woman who's strong. She's going to fucking stick it to the Iranians, stick it to the terrorists, and fucking stick it to the status. Wrong. She is a status. She will use the power of the state to control you. I guarantee it. She will send your sons and daughters to die. I guarantee it. I fucking men's warehouse it. If you elect that woman, she will send your sons and daughters to die. Donald Trump, with all of his problems, right? He's talking about leaving NATO. People are very upset about this. Why do you want to leave NATO? Why do you want to do this? Because NATO is, you know... I don't know, I'm going to say a, a giant fucking factor in what's going on with our involvement in Ukraine, right? If we didn't have this involvement in NATO, this this legal... And I'm not advocating for leaving NATO. I'm explaining the strategy. I'm explaining the policy, right? Not only are we spending an inordinate amount of money in NATO to support those countries, we, when shit does pop off, I mean, on a yearly basis, the money that we're expending, when shit does pop off, we are the one that send the dollars. We are the ones that come with the missiles and with the guns and the money and the bullets and all the stuff. Every time. Even though we're already putting in the most amount of money. When something does happen, it's us that has to foot the bill. We can't protect our own people. We'll talk about this more in immigration, right? Can't protect our own people. We can't house our own people. We have our own border crisis. Now we're expected to spend hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to secure somebody else's border in another part of the planet. I understand why this doesn't make sense to people. It doesn't. I'm going to say it does make sense to me why it's happening, but I don't agree with it. Right. I don't explain. I don't I don't uh, blame anybody for being confused and by being frustrated by that. Of course, it seems ludicrous that your tax dollars are being spent in another country when you fucking are barely making ends meet when you have 30 people living in the park down by your house or in the right of way and your state is using tax dollars to fill it with rocks so people can't live there i understand i don't blame anybody for being frustrated and confused and for reaching and leaning towards a donald trump figure a populist figure who is telling you that he wants to return your power and your money home that's what he's saying to you right whether or not that's true 
for this type of stuff, I tend to believe that he means what he says. Whether or not it's going to happen, who knows, right? The level of resistance that we saw that he gets from the deep state is crazy. But we, I tend to believe that he means what he says when he's talking about this stuff. This one is like a hair too bright, I think. It's a weirder shade is what it is. It's good. It's just different. It's not as direct as this one. That's all right. It's nice. I like the shot. Should never have addressed it. It was good to not talk about it. That's okay. So I tend to believe that he means what he's saying when he intends to leave NATO. And it's not just because he wants a more isol isolationist policy for the United States. It's because we're not getting the benefit from what we're putting into that that product, right? He's a businessman. He sees things as products. How do we sell this? What's the benefit of this? What's the cost-benefit analysis of, of this venture? And it doesn't make any sense. It's flipped over. We're upside down on that cost-benefit analysis, on that investment in NATO. It's only cost us money. You could, you know, discuss the uh, ethereal, conceptual aspects of freedom and whatever, anti-Soviet. I, I, don't, I don't know, right? That's, that's a, a big discussion that would be very, very subjective. On, on an objective level, with the amount of money that we have expended into NATO, we have received very little benefit on an actual legitimate basis from our end. I don't blame anybody for wanting to remove ourselves from that, especially now we're looking at the barrel of potential fucking World War III with, you know, we said that about Ukraine initially, so maybe I shouldn't hyperbolize with that now because we were talking more specifically with Iran with those particular types of qualifications of global war thing right and i guess i kind of shit on people during all right let me let me take that back a very large conflict in europe right with russia if if this is what we're talking about and i don't i don't think that's a good idea it's going to be extended right we're two years in or whatever in ukraine and people are like oh, i can't believe that uh russia's been able to hang on this whole time i was listening to one of the dailies last week that they're talking about ukraine they're like, oh, the, the Russians just continue to throw bodies and bodies of the war. Yeah, that's fucking what they do. That's what they've done this whole time. That's Colin said this when we first started talking about this war two years ago. It's like the Russians are going to be hard to beat. Like typically, you know, a weird, there were questions about their military prowess in the beginning, and now they're having to kind of respect it. Whatever level of superiority they have or like technical superiority, they have more dudes. They have way more dudes than you. They can fight for longer than you. They have a bigger country, a bigger industry than you do. So Ukraine can't make its own bullets. Russia is already spinning it up and has for three years now their missile production. That's domesticated. Ukraine is still looking from outside of themselves to try and secure their own home front. I don't see, you know, the winning side on continuing with what we're doing there. So I don't blame anybody. I see it's fine. You know, I, I, I see it is less likely that we go to war in Europe, contrary to uh, Joy Behar's beliefs, less likely that we go to war in Europe if we're not a part of NATO. That legal obligation that exists there is removed, and we have more choice in whether or not that's the right thing to do for our country at that time. Um, there is a lot of things, and this carries over to immigration as well. We'll talk about it a little bit more there, that... <clears throat> So a lot of things that we're doing in this country that we're doing because that's just what we've done. That's just how we've been doing it for this period of time, you know. But the America is in a very, very different place now than it was when we established NATO. And it's in a very, very different place now than it was when we began the asylum processes the way that we're doing them now. It's a very, very different place. You have to adjust to the circumstances that you're currently living in or else you die. If you don't adapt, 
you die. You don't adapt. You don't overcome. You die. Let me lay out the whole fucking statement there. So this parsed up one. But if you don't evolve, you die, especially in a world like this. Things happen fast and they happen for a long time. So you have to be prepared for that. Um, and I think that, you know, a removal from NATO isn't to say that we shouldn't have partnerships with people around the world. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working with other countries that have aligned global interest as we do the world is is global now we've we've done it that we've done for too long to turn back around because so many other people are involved in it so it it only makes sense to continue to work with people around the globe and have some type of some form of alliance with them but this one in which we expend inordinately more than everybody else and then when something happens we're still expected to put up more than everybody else doesn't make any sense when we have a 34 trillion dollar deficit and 10 million people coming in from our border in four years time it that doesn't make any sense for us anymore we have a lot of issues going on here that need to be solved that will only get worse if we send our manufacturing base of young men and women to die in another country ukraine is seeing that right now they're living that evidence right now where the, where the average age of their military is like 45 Okay, if your average age is 45, that means you have some dudes in there that are probably like seven, you know, realistically like 15, 16, 17 years old. You also have some dudes that are about 70 years old. So the population of their country is fucked. It's absolutely fucked. Their young men are dead. Their fighting, living, working age men are dead. That's what happened there. That is what will happen here if we choose to enter openly into a conflict like that in Europe with Russia, who have more fucking dudes than we do. It's telling you, this is not the way to do things. So um, I actually don't, I don't know that. That's an assumption. I assume that they have a high, so check it out. Let's fucking Google it, right? That's what we do here. Gain City Chiefs. Let's close this stuff out. We don't need it anymore. So the population of Russia. Hundred and forty six million people. So we have more people than them, right? It was we have like three hundred and thirty million people. So they got a lot of dudes, is is the point of what I'm getting at, right? Um that's that's really, really what I'm getting at. Um, is that they have a lot of people and they have a lot of fighting age people. But here, these are just fucking numbers. I have no idea. This is changing I who knows how legitimate these are. This is just a bunch of graphs off of Google, but um you know, their age seems to be kind of concentrated right in these a uh, little bit older. Obviously, they're what, 25 to 29 and that to about uh, 40, 44 is kind of their biggest category. Yep. It's a lot of the fighting age males, a lot of the fighting age people right on the other side. The women, they got a lot of women over there. That's what's up. Good for them. Um, these are the people that do your war fighting for you. These are the people that do your killing. So, you know, these are your intelligence workers, your background workers. These are the fighters. So I, I seems very, very foolish. And it's the same deal as kind of what we were talking about with George Behar earlier. You know, it's it's obvious. It's obvious what these people want by what they're saying to you. George Behar is telling you that if we leave NATO, we're going to end up more in Europe. This bitch wants more in Europe. That's what she wants. That's why she's lying to you about the exact opposite of what would happen there. We're not going to go to war in Europe if we leave NATO. So much, much lower likelihood that that happens. You want to go to war in Europe. That's what you want. You want war in Ukraine. I don't know why. I don't know why you think that's a good thing. I don't know if you actually think that Vladimir Putin is Hitler or if that's just 
a thing you fabricated within yourself to feel good about this ideology that you're expressing, but it's it's bad news all around for you to be doing this type of stuff. These arguments are going to get people killed. So it's fucking weird. Um, let's talk 2024 a little bit more. Shadow campaign, right? I want to talk a little bit of shadow campaign. I've had some pretty, heard some pretty interesting stuff about this. I want to know what your guys' takes are. Obviously, if you're watching this, sign up in the comments below. I'm having some issues with the chat today. So sign up in the comments below. What do you think about uh, the potential of a shadow campaign for 2020? Right. There's a few different aspects that people are discussing this from. One of them is the voting aspect, obviously. So um, and I think I want to readdress this. Yep, I will readdress that in immigration. The voting concerns. Right. But there are a lot of people. Obviously, there were some questions about things that happened in 2020. Um, some, you know, we raised some concerns here about um, some potential ballot harvesting and um, some of these types of of things that were going on, um, you know, some of the stuff that happened in, uh, what, Pennsylvania, I believe, is what we're talking about. And there's there's a lot of really questionable behavior. Carrie Lake obviously has a lot of questions about things that happened in Arizona during those times. A lot of questionable stuff that happened um, that I think is worth discussing, right? There's still a lot of these. I have a lot of questions about voting machines. I know whatever maybe gets us pulled off YouTube right now or whatever, but... Um, you know, there are, there are still documentaries that, like on HBO, mainstream documentaries that highlight that whether or not they are being hacked into some of these voting machines that we're using every year for voting have backdoors. They have the ability to be tampered with. They have the ability to be altered. They can be sometimes accessed through like open networks and stuff like that. This, this is not good. The fact that we know about these vulnerabilities in the system and we're not doing anything, we're telling people that it's safe is not good and it adds a lot of question on my end about whether or not obviously they they want it to be a secure system do you want this to be the safest and securest election ever or do you just want people to think that it is because i happen to you know have information that hbo is delivering and you know they they're not usually one to push the bounds of acceptable uh rhetoric very often hbo so i'm tend to believe that this documentary is true um you know if they have two of them on here that are telling you that are laying these things out for you showing people able to switch votes in these machines that we're still using why are you telling me that that's impossible why are you telling me that that can't happen you're lying to me and i'm not sure why that would be other than you want me to believe the lie that you do so that you can use the truth to your advantage I don't know why else someone would want to deceive me about something like that. That doesn't seem to make very much sense to me. So it's interesting. Um, it's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about with the sw switching the primaries and whatnot, you know, whatever. So I I'm interested to see about the voting thing. Please let me know in the chat, in the comments, what your guys' thoughts are on the generalized voting. Um, if you trust it, if you think it's secure, you know, we even had Elijah here who's not a big politics guy. And he's like, you know, I don't fucking... How do I know that it's secure? How do I know that the voting system is legit? That's a lot of people. It's a lot of papers. It's a lot of things to deal with when there's so many questions. There was a lot of really weird things that happened at the voting stations last time too, like like when they were putting up the window coverings and stuff like that. Just a weird stuff. Just really weird stuff um, that I'm sure happens all the time, and we just see more because 
of the technological age that we're existing in, but that doesn't make me feel better about it. You know, it's still, we like to think the people who work in government and work in the elections and stuff are like, a, you know, they're above whatever. This is like a higher caliber of person. This is, you know, these people are super legit. They're just regular people who happen to be doing that job. <laughs> you know, that's a, a lot of times how things happen. People just find jobs. It's not because they, election system is the most important thing in the world to them and they want to dedicate their life to ensuring its its integrity they happen to work for the voting system that happens to be their job if something else comes up that means more to them they have a personal investment in fucking with their job i so i think that we just need to as a country be realistic about the terms in which we have discussions about the voting system you know in any world to say that like last year was the safest and securest election in history i think is false i think that's a lie and it's wrong that people were pulled down from the internet for saying things like that it's wrong that we could potentially be pulled down right now for saying it or you know that uh, later this year there's going to be a higher level of moderation about people using this type of rhetoric that um, I think that these questions are valid. I think that's really, really valid. And I believe that it should concern you that people are unwilling to answer them and they're telling you not to ask them. So, you know, we'll, we'll find as much information as we can on that thing. I, I guess it's really all I wanted to say is just that I, I got my eye on it. I got some concerns about the voting system, some things. Let's talk about the uh, some some Trump legal troubles, right? We'll talk mostly about the Fonnie Willis stuff. We'll talk a little, a little bit about this defamation stuff, uh, but mostly about Fonnie Willis. So uh, Donald Trump has got a couple of different cases going on, right? Um, one of them is this defamation case that happened with Eugene Carroll. So I got a couple of articles. We'll read about this. Excuse me. My boss, Dan, was actually the one that talked to me about this first. I said, did you hear about Eugene Carroll? Did you hear about this stuff? And I couldn't find the particular thing that he was talking to me about. But he was saying, so this is uh, alleged, according to my boss, Dan. Was, you know, <laughs> he's a journalist. So <laughs> No, but he was listening to something. They're playing audio from Eugene Carroll and she's talking about how thrilled she is to spend this money that she's like super jazzed um, that she can find something that Donald Trump really hates that she can spend this money on and um, let's see this was the 83 million dollars January 26th here we go okay let's go have you guys seen that video it's fucking awesome um, jury orders Trump to pay 83 million dollars for defaming columnist E. Jean Carol, and this comes after the original lawsuit. Um, this we'll go over it. Um, a New York jury on Friday ordered former President Donald Trump to pay a total of $83.3 million to E. Jean Carroll for ruining her credibility as an advice columnist when he called her a liar after she accused him of sexual assault. Also, Donald Trump lies about shit all the time, too. So it's crazy that the word of Donald Trump on somebody else's integrity is is enough to waver other people's uh, impression of you, you know? If somebody else, Steve, right? Let's call Steve. We all know Steve. Steve is hanging out. Steve's a big fucking liar. Steve be lying all the time. If Steve starts talking shit about me to you, are you going to think that I'm a bad guy? 
Or are you going to think that Steve is a fucking asshole and says shit about people that makes the, that upset him? Probably the latter, right? So it's crazy that we're now going to award somebody $83 million for someone who says wild shit saying wild shit about them. The jury awarded Carol $65 million in punitive damages, $11 million for the damage to her reputation, and another $7.3 million. That's it, just another $7.3 million. Like, for what? Trump is almost certain to appeal the verdict. Despite the size of the penalty, the verdict was not unexpected. Judge Lewis Kaplan ruled even before the trial that Trump had, in fact, defamed Carol. The jury only had to decide how much Trump owed her, not if he was liable. This was the second time Trump had been ordered to pay, has been ordered to pay Carol. Way to go, NPR. This is the second time Trump has been ordered to pay Carol. Come on, man. God damn it, you guys are terrible fucking reporters. You got this his huge staff. How big is the fucking staff at NPR? And you can't even edit a fucking article. This is the second Trump second time Trump has been ordered to pay Carol. Ordered pay Carol. Last year, he was mandated by a jury to pay $5 million for a separate instance of defamation. Um, and the, that instance, I think, is when he was saying, like, she's not my type. That's, uh, you know, I didn't fuck her. I didn't whatever. In response, the Trump 2024 campaign issued a statement arguing without offering evidence that the trial is a political weapon. It almost definitely is. This woman, that's what Dan's point was, was that my boss, when he's, he's like, you know, she's talking about how upset she is, and then she's going on the show, and she's talking about how thrilled she is, how excited she is to spend this money and all the stuff that she gets to do with it. You don't seem very upset for somebody whose fucking life has supposedly been ruined because that's, you know, the threshold for defamation is whether or not someone has done, like, financial damage to your livelihood based on the things that they said. I vote, but don't necessarily, this is Tiffany, I vote, but don't necessarily trust the system, but I would prefer they check IDs everywhere and encourage people to do research. My concern now lays with legal immigrants voting. We'll talk about that more after this. We are going to talk about the immigration thing because I've been ta- I've been thinking more about that lately. I got to think about these things a lot and like really taking a lot of information, kind of, kind of decide where I'm at with it. Um, the bigger concepts, I mean. So, I really appreciate that. I don't think the ID thing is bad. You know, in Washington, we have all mail-in voting. I'm like, you can go to a voting station, I believe, but they also mail you your ballot, so you can do everything by mail-in voting. I didn't know it wasn't like that until maybe 2016, probably 2020. I thought everywhere you could mail-in vote. Didn't know that. Never really thought about it. I had had ballots returned to me also because, like, my signature didn't match and stuff, so I... Well, they're checking somehow, you know, somebody has got to be looking at something if I'm getting it returned to me to make sure that I'm actually the person who signed this ballot. Um, But, you know, I think it goes without saying if I have questions about the voting machines, I have questions about the mail-in ballots as well. Um, The whole system of voting is something I have a difficult time wrapping my brain around. I don't see how it works that well, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, So I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. I do think some form of identity check would be a good thing, especially with the influx of uh, illegal, illegal immigration that we have had and the uh, prolific nature that false identification tends to have amongst the illegal population, which is what it is. got to get things done, but also, if you don't have the right to vote here, you fucking don't get to vote, right? talked about this if, if people can take it away from you if anybody can do it if it isn't resigned reserved for the people 
who are with that right, the one that is actually kind of given to you by the state, because if they didn't exist, who the fuck are you voting for, right? So if it isn't actually reserved for you, then it isn't really right. It's a totally a privilege, and they can give it to whoever they want. They can take it away from whoever they want, and we shouldn't be doing it. If there's no security on it, if there's no reservation for a, sec- a secured group, a selected group that's going to be doing that, I don't mean like... Well, I do kind of mean that, but in general terms, I mean the people, the citizens of this country, then you shouldn't be doing it. There's no way to secure it. It means absolutely nothing. The integrity of the vote means nothing if there's no security on it. Um, in response, the Trump 2020, yeah, absolutely ridiculous, said the statement. I fully disagree with both verdicts and will be appealing the whole Biden verdict, which hunt focused on me and the Republican Party. The jury's decision comes just days after Trump won the New Hampshire primary and became the GOP frontrunner. The case is one of several involving Trump, who is also awaiting a verdict in a civil trial that could result in him paying at least $250 million to New York State for his business practices, which have been deemed by a judge to be fraudulent. We're going to talk about that one next. He could also be prohibited from doing business in the state where he made his name as a real estate mogul. In all, Trump faces 91 charges in federal and state trials, ranging from the ones in New York to those in the federal level relating to the January 6th Capitol riot. What is this case about? In 2019, Carol, an advice columnist and freelance writer, accused Trump of sexually assaulting her in the 90s. The accusation, which was detailed in her book, was first previewed in a New York Magazine article. After the article's publication, Trump issued two statements in response to reporters, including one in which he outright denied her claim and said she was not my type. Carol then sued Trump for defamation, arguing that his comments ruined her reputation as a trusted source in the media and resulted in a slew of insults and threatening messages, emails, and comments to her social media accounts. At the time, Trump's Attorney General Bill Barr blocked the lawsuit, urge, arguing that Trump made the comments in his official capacity as president. This caused the lawsuit to be stuck in court for several years. In 2023, Biden's Justice Department reversed the course and allowed the first lawsuit in defamation to move forward, in part because of the 2023 decision that had been found Trump liable for assault. Judge Kaplan ruled that Trump had defamed Carroll in 2019 and the former president was also liable. Because he said that she's a liar. And so, because that's the argument, is that Donald Trump said that she's a liar and because she gives advice call she gives advice now people can't trust her advice because they think that she's a liar and so he's ruined her reputation. I don't I don't believe that. Um I think that that's dog shit. That's me personally. Kale testified that she felt if Trump calling her a liar ended the world I had been living in. While she used to receive hundreds of emails asking for advice to her column email, she said she now received fewer than 10 a month. Instead, she said she received threats and insults. Carol's lawyer showed the jury several social media posts, messages, and emails sent to Carol in the following days after Trump's statements. In the following days, right? In the following days. So there are lots of people who have to take a temporary period off of work, right? Who have to take... A uh, leave of absence because something has happened and their ability to do work is not doesn't exist anymore. Right. For that period of time. So. Trump's lawyer, Alina Haba, argued damages ought not be traced back to Trump himself. Haba also showed the jury several social media posts, but these were posted in the five hour gap between Carol's allegations being published and Trump making the comments he is being sued over. Haba is focused on the praise and support Carol received for her allegation and questioned the writer's motive for suing and for deleting threats sent to her email. Why are you deleting shit to your email? Why are you deleting threats? If your intent is to sue, why are you deleting evidence? Why are you getting rid of your evidence? Oh, it's just too painful. Can't have it. Why do you care? If someone's that fucking dumb 
to write you uh, an email threatening you? Why do you give a fuck what they have to say? Why? It's just too scary for you to look at? It's too damaging? Why do you care? It's the same deal with Donald Trump. Why the Your listeners are so fucking influenced by Donald Trump that he said you're a liar and now nobody wants to hear what you have to say? Your audience overlaps that much? You're, you're super duper conservative just like Donald Trump is? That seems weird. That seems really, really weird that that's what the argument is. Your audience overlaps that much that you can't make money anymore. Seems super strange. Trump doubled down on allegations Carroll is lying. After weeks of vowing to take the witness stand in his defense, Trump finally did so on January 25th, but it was short-lived, only a few minutes. In testimony, he said he 100% stood by his previous deposition. Asked by his lawyer if he ever instructed anyone to hurt Carroll, Trump said that he didn't and just wanted to defend himself, his family, and his presidency. He doesn't... Do you think Donald Trump gives a fuck what she has to say? He talks about everybody. Of course he's going to say them. Do you think he actually cares? Hmm. Does he? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I was thinking. I don't think that he cares. I don't think he actually gives a shit what she says, but he's not going to let someone throw shade at him without saying something about it. He's just not that guy. He's not the guy to sit by and not do anything if someone's talking shit. So, there's a lot, um, <clears throat> in my opinion. So, there's obviously a lot of question about uh, the timing for all these things. We've talked about that. Why is all this happening at the same time? It's very weird. And that's what uh, Haba, um Donald Trump's attorney is getting at. It's like, why are you suing right now? What's going on with this? You know, these allegations happened in the 90s um, for assault. You waited until the late 2020s or late 2010s for to launch this lawsuit. And, of course, Donald Trump is going to talk shit. It's 20 years ago. He's going to talk shit. It's what's going to happen. And he talks shit about everybody. And now you're claiming defamation, trying to bleed him dry for money, just like this fraud case uh, when he's trying to run a presidential election. Isn't it interesting? Also intending to ruin his credibility. Um, what do I know? Let's talk about the fraud thing in New York, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that I have an article here. It would be weird if I didn't. Let's see here. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I can delete some of these things. Nope, don't need that one. Click down and on accident. Okay, let me get some of this stuff out of here. Um, yep, over the gun counter. Caliber, delete. Oh, I don't. That's really weird. Um, so... We'll look it up really quick. We'll just uh, Google it really quickly. Uh, Trump, New York, fraud case. There we go. Reuters on MSN. Trump formally ordered to pay $451 million in New York fraud case. 
New York, Reuters. Donald Trump was formally ordered by New York judge to pay $454.2 million after being found liable for, for manipulating his net worth in a civil fraud case brought by New York State Attorney General. The payment includes $354.9 million penalty that Justice Arthur Engeron of the state court in Manhattan ordered on February 16th, plus interest following a non-jury trial that stretched over three months. Engeron also ordered Trump's oldest sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, each to pay $4.7 million and the Trump Organization's former chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, to pay $1.1 million, all including interest. The payouts totaled $464 million and were determined on Thursday more than 114000 of interest will continue, $114,000 of interest will continue accruing daily, mostly for Donald Trump alone. The judgment was made public Friday. Attorney General Letitia James accused the defendants of illegally overstating the values of Trump's properties in order to inflate his net worth and obtain better loan and insurance terms. Engeron also banned Trump for three years from serving in a top role in any New York company or seeking loans from banks registered in the state. His oldest sons received two-year bans from leadership roles. The judge said the defendants' complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on pathological. Engron's decision threatens the business empire that Trump built over much of his adult life. The Republican former president also faces four unrelated criminal prosecutions in which he has pleaded not guilty as he seeks to regain the White House from Democrat Joe Biden. Trump has accused James and Engron, both Democrats, of being corrupt and called the case part of, which, of a witch hunt by political opponents. He plans to appeal his penalty to the appellate division, a mid-level appeals court, but would have to come up with the money owed or obtain a bond. Good Christ. Engron rejected, <laughs> which is all of his money, just so you guys know. That's all the money. That's about all of the money that he has. It's $450 million. That's like all of his cash on hand. So a lot of questions about that because this is a arbitrarily, arbitrarily uh, reached sum of money. The... The plaintiff, who is the state, who is supposedly representing the banks, right? Even though the banks never filed the lawsuit, the banks are not upset. The banks testified, the representatives from the banks testified like, we all made money, this was fine, you know? It is what it is because we all made money off this deal. He was a good lender or like a good borrower. Everything was on the up and up other than this fucking fraud shit. So they're not upset. They got all of their money back. This is a thing that happens all the time. This type of, of fraud that they're calling it, this type of manipulation, a monetary manipulation. We've heard, what's his name? Uh, Tim Pool keeps talking about him. Mr. Wonderful, the guy uh, on from Shark Tank that is up in arms about this. He's like, I'm leaving New York. Everybody needs to leave New York. They're all fucking you. This happens all the time because he's also a real estate guy. But this is very common. Right? We've talked about this on the show. Of all the things that, Donald Trump has done. This is one of the ones I care the least about. You're telling me that you were dishonest to a bank so that you could build a building? You paid them the money back? I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't. People are on it dishonest all the time about their income to like increase their credit limits to have a better debt to income ratio. That's that happens all the time. We're like a better credit card usage, you know, to increase their credit card limits to raise to get a better ratio of their credit card use it happens all the time this shit happens all the time i don't care if you're doing it with your personal credit card or if you're doing it with your bank if you're paying that money you owe that money regardless this, that is up to you you know if you choose to take on more debt than you can handle that is your fault and you are in fact liable for that debt but 
I don't care about that. I don't. This is a victimless crime. No one has done harm here. Money is not real. So it's not like there's a. There isn't actually a limited pool that they can pull from. Okay. There is a bunch of numbers that they're pulling together. They're saying we have this much and blah, blah, blah. None of that is actually real. I don't. I don't subscribe to the notion that the monetary system is fucking real at all, especially when you're dealing with numbers that are that high. So I I don't agree with the ideology that there is some limited pool of money that would have inhibited the bank from loaning to other people because that's where the damages come from is in this argument is that um, if Donald Trump was honest, then about his funds and the bank could have made more money and then there would have been more money for other people to borrow. That's where the wrong is here is that other people were done bad because there wasn't as much money to go around. Or there could have been more. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's completely, this is nonsensical. It's 100% nonsensical. Arbitrarily decided money, no real plaintiff. The state decides they're going to go after it. Can't run a business now. The, other people are doing this. Other people who do business in New York are saying, we do this all of the time. This is not fucking real. This is fake. It's complete, absolute dog shit. Let us continue. Trump has accused James and Engron, both Democrats, of being corrupt and called the case part of witch hunt by political opponents. He plans to appeal. Engron rejected a request, a request by Clifford Robert, a lawyer for the defendants, to delay enforcing the judgments for 30 days in an order to allow an orderly post-judgment process, particularly given the magnitude of judgment. In Thursday morning email to Robert Engron, Robert Engron wrote, You have failed to explain, much less justify, any basis for a stay. I am confident that the appellate division will protect your appellate rights balling this guy's a piece of shit just like letitia james <coughs> they're trying to bleed him dry is uh certainly what it seems like they're trying to take all of the money that he has because this is it's not real it's the these things did happen the crime of which he is accused is is false in my opinion it's not real it's a a fabricated thing that is completely intent to try and remove his ability to have money at the same time he's like uh you know they're right about uh like uh publicly list uh truth social or the company that owns that he's, he's gonna make a couple billion or something like that supposedly so um We'll see how well the bleeding of Donald Trump actually works. I'm certain that there are people who will put up the money for him um, if he doesn't have it. There are definitely people who will pull together to get that money. Someone who will give him some type of bond or loan or something for him to pay that money. I have zero doubt of that at all. Let's talk about this Fonnie Willis thing, right? This is pretty interesting, I think. And then we'll talk about immigration. Then we'll probably get the fuck out of here. Oh, no. We'll grab back and then we'll get out of here. Um, so let me pull this Fonnie Willis stuff. You have to look at me while I'm doing this. You don't need to see this background. Oh, I wonder if that actually switched. Nice. It did. It also typed in here. So, okay. Boop. Boop. This Fonnie Willis thing is pretty fucking interesting. I've had a pretty good laugh about this one. This is another CNN article. CNN's doing us good this week, actually. So this. The sound. 
I'm telling you guys, the sound that this fucking spacer makes on the table is incredible. I don't know if you guys can hear it. It's awesome. I'm a huge fan of that noise. I got to ask Sam about that. You can like kind of see the threads on it, you know, because I imagine that they just whittle it down with like a CNC machine or something. Sam sends some very cool videos. All right. Takeaways from Fonnie Willis's stunning testimony in Georgia. They're dressed like very similar. Well, I guess just that they're both wearing pink. I don't know. It's 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 a it's an interesting picture. I think that we're all, all know that uh, the Georgia election subversion case against Donald Trump and 14 of his allies took a stunning turn on Thursday when two top prosecutors uh, testified under oath about their romantic relationship at a hearing triggered by allegations of self-dealing that had the potential to derail the indictment. The all-day hearing escalated steadily throughout the day, culminating with Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis taking the witness stand for a combative brawl with the defense attorneys that drew several rebukes from the judge. Judge Scott McAfee convened the hearing after some of the Trump's co-defendants surfaced allegations of relationship between Willis and Nathan Wade, whom she hired in 2021 to join the prosecution team. Trump and his co-defendants want the judge to disqualify Willis's team from the case or throw out the charges because of a possible conflict of interest. There was talk of cash exchanging hands from Willis to Wade, where they store their money at home, cash app usage, and their spending habits. All to get to the question of whether Willis benefited financially from putting him on her staff. Willis was expected to return, to return Friday to, to BB cross-examined. Why can't you guys edit your fucking articles? What is this? Boom. To BB cross-examined. NPR and CNN both in one day. I guarantee they have a, an editor who makes over $100,000 a year to rest, read a fucking article to read the fucking article you don't have fucking you don't have spell check you don't have grammar check the mind the one that comes on my computer will even check for inclusivity will make sure that i'm not using too many harsh pronouns you don't have one that can see that you've put b and b right next to each other Willis was expected to return Friday to BB cross-examined by District Attorney Lawyer Anna Cross, but Cross said at the beginning of Friday's hearing that she did not have any additional questions. The judge said he does not have, he does not plan to issue a ruling on Friday. <clears throat> Here are takeaways from the hearing that at times that was at times jaw-dropping, awkward, and strikingly personal. Willis's defiant afternoon on the stand. Look at the attitude. What unfolded on Thursday is extremely rare in American courtrooms. The district attorney who was charged Trump with racketeering went under oath to defend her ethics and answer personal questions about her relationship with Wade. The risks could not be greater, and Willis' credibility is on the line. Things quickly went off the rails. Willis didn't act much like a traditional witness and was much more like a prosecutor. Arguing with the defense attorneys, raising objections, making legal arguments, and even having exchanges with the judge, she even raised her voice at one point. Yeah, they were talking about when they are She's been questioned about like whether or not she stayed in the same place as this guy. Did you guys sleep you, like at the residence? Did you stay together? She's getting down to like they're using languages like where she laid her head. Is getting that definitive in particular the language they're using. It's very very interesting. She's obviously a good lawyer. This led to a few rebukes from McAfee, who urged her and other attorneys in the courtroom to maintain professionalism and to not talk over each other. Willis repeatedly accused some of the defense attorneys of peddling lies before and after the judge's admonishment. <clears throat> You lied in this. I think you lied right here, Willis said to attorney Ashley Merchant, pointing to copies of filings that raised accusations of self-dealing and nepotism. I am not on trial, Willis says. 
Willis seized several opportunities to defend herself. The district attorney had fought efforts to make her appear both in Wade's ongoing divorce proceedings and in the hearings on Thursday up until the moment she came in the courtroom to take the stand. She said at the beginning of her testimony that she was very anxious to defend herself, so I ran to the courtroom. You think I'm on trial, Willis said, in her sharpest pushback of the day. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020, she added, pointing toward the table of attorneys representing defendants in the criminal case. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. She later slammed the defense attorneys, calling them confused and intrusive. Ms. Birch's interests are contrary to democracy, not to mine, Willis said. Attacking the attorney for Trump campaign, attorney Michael Roman, who was accused of playing a leading role in the multi-state fake electors plot to subvert the Electoral College. When did the relationship start? On the stand, Wade stuck to his earlier claim in a sworn affidavit submitting to the court that his romantic relationship with Willis began in early 2022 and they split travel and vacation expenses. But Robin Bryant Yerdy, a former friend of Willis and Fulton County deputy, Fulton County employee, contradicted that claim, testifying that she had no doubt that the Willis Wade affair began in late 2019. Notably, that would be before Willis hired Wade to lead the Trump probe in late 2021. So the background for you guys are not putting it together quite yet. Bonnie Willis, she's a district attorney. She hired this guy, uh, Wade, what's his name? Something Wade. Um to to lead this prosecution into Donald Trump into the election scheme, right? And so this was in early, like around 2022 that that happened. And this woman, the employee, is saying that they began dating in early 2019. Obviously, like I said, it would be before the, oh, late, 21, late 2021, uh, before he's in the prosecution. That's where the case or the concerns of nepotism come in. Are you here because you're giving her that dick? Or are you here because you're a good lawyer? Where's the money going? Where's the money being spent? Is she paying you? We'll talk about the cash if they don't get to it. They will. <clears throat> Bryant Yurdy said she observed hugging, kissing, close affection between Willis and Wade prior to 2022 when they claimed their romantic relationship began. She also testified that Willis was told, had told her in 2020 and 2021 that she was dating Wade. There was some Clinton-esque parsing of words on whether Wade cheated on his ex-wife by being with Willis. Past filings from Roman's team salaciously noted that she had been dating a married man. Wade testified that his previous marriage was broken since 2015, long before his relationship that with Willis began, saying, My marriage was ir irretrievably broken in 2015, and I was free to have a relationship. I wonder if that matters in the eyes of the law. Wade and Willis describe using cash for reimbursement. Wade and Willis have offered a simple explanation for why there's essentially no paper trail to back up his claims they split expenses. Willis used cash. Credit card statements submitted in Wade's divorce proceedings show he had paid for two flights for them in recent years. To San Francisco and Miami. They also took lavish trips to Belize and the Bahamas and some Caribbean cruises. You're talking about thousands here. You're talking about some serious fucking bennies here, guys. When pressed on whether he paid for Willis's travel when they vacationed together, Wade said that Willis reimbursed him for a flight in cash. Wade said he did not have receipts for all the times Willis reimbursed him for trips, pushing back against the allegations from the defense side that Willis was essentially getting kickbacks from him in the form of vacations. I did not deposit the cash in my account, Wade replied, smirking at times. Defense attorney Craig Gillen, who represents one of the fake electors, grilled Wade on what he would do with the cash reimbursements, in at least one case, thousands of dollars. You don't have a single solitary deposit slip to corroborate or support any of your allegations that you were paid by Miss Willis in cash. Gillen shot back, raising his voice slightly. No, sir, Wade said. To which Gillen replied, not a single solitary one, not a one, Wade responded. Listen, some people do be keeping cash on hand, okay? 
this is the thing that people do. Some people, I mean, especially if you have like a lot of money, sometimes you just got cash in your safe or you got stuff like that. You know, I don't, I would imagine, I would imagine that if somebody hands you a couple thousand in cash, you go put it in the bank. I would imagine. I personally wouldn't, let me think about it. I don't think I would hold that much. Like I would probably, I'm sure I would, I would definitely keep a few hundred dollars of that because I'm just going to use that over the next like, couple weeks or whatever for all of my expenses instead of out of my account. But, um, I'm not going to just hold like five grand, you know, I'm not going to just hold on to that and like sit on it. That seems really weird. <clears throat> I don't know. That's just me. Willis, I don't need anybody to foot my bills. There's also a dispute over when the relationship ended and whether it had any impact on the decision to seek massive RICO indictment against Trump and others in late August. Last August, both said their relationship ended in summer 2023. Willis implied that the physical component ended earlier in the summer, but the two had a tough conversation that fully ended things afterward. Trump lawyer Stephen Sadow asked Willis about the breakup, eliciting an answer that revealed sexist remarks that Wade allegedly made to Willis in the past. She said he is used to women that, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich she explained that this was part of their breakup but it was also a defense to the self-dealing claims against her we would have brutal arguments of fact about the fact that i am your equal will said i don't need anything from a man a man is not a plan a man is a companion and so there was tension always in our relationship which is why i would give him his money back interesting I don't need anybody to foot my bills. Earlier, Sato asked Wade during his own testimony whether the two had any personal relationship at all since their relationship ended, saying, and you know what I mean by that. Wade shot back, asking if Sato meant if I had intercourse with the district attorney. We're very good friends, probably closer than ever because of these attacks, Wade said. But if you ask me about specific intercourse, the answer is no. <clears throat> ask me about specific intercourse. This is a weird way to put it. Trump, huge distraction from the charges against Trump for now. Nothing that happened Thursday uncut the factual allegations against Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, or the other GOP allies who were accused of trying to overturn the 2020 election. But the hearing shifted the conversation away from those allegations and away from Trump's legal woes for now. Earlier in the day, a Trump, a New York judge set at the trial date for Trump's historic first trial in the Hush Money criminal case for March 25th. Excuse me. By the afternoon, the news was nearly washed away by the jaw-dropping testimony taking place in Atlanta and being beamed across the country on national television. Unlike the New York case, cameras were allowed in the Georgia courtrooms. Friday, a separate New York judge is expected to issue a decision on the Trump civil fraud case that is an existential threat to his business. State prosecutors want that judge to issue a $370 million fine against Trump after finding that Trump and his company committed civil fraud against bank, blah, 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 blah. So, Bonnie Willis. We talked about this a little bit last time. Um, because that is when the allegations of their relationship had, had come out because of uh, Wade's divorce proceedings. So I remember calling it, began to kind of tell me about some of this type of stuff. But this week, she had testified and it got hot. When they're asking her about the money, um, you know, why do you have all this cash all the time? Do you have any uh, receipts from your withdrawals, any ATM receipts or anything like that? She said, no. You know, I just have cash on hand, like it's something that I learned from my family in case something happens, you have money. That's that's a thing. Some people do that. You know, it's whatever. Ask where did all the money come from. My sweat and tears, she said. Um, super funny. Super duper funny, this lady. And um, what's the next thing? The money, the cash. Where did it come from? I keep that thing on me. Um 
Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. She she did some very interesting things um, about the cash. I don't go to the ATM. I don't need it. I don't need no man. So we'll we'll see what comes of this. Uh, you know, there's obviously potential that this whole this particular case gets thrown out, or at least part of this team does. Uh, I don't know what that looks for for like double jeopardy and stuff like that, depending on what happens with the case. So I'm I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. So. We'll see what happens with this woman. I would like to talk. Let's check the comments really quick. Make sure. Uh, nope, that's okay. Um, I do want to talk about some immigration stuff really quick. So I want to hammer these things out because I want to hit the grab bag. And then we'll have a good day. So delete collection, part one. Delete collection. Just cutting stuff out of here. Washington Post, immigration. Uh, boom, we're going to open that one up. Uh, boom, we're going to open that one up. Newsroom. Boom. Chinese illegals. More Chinese immigrants. Yeah, we got a few things we're going to talk about. I'm going to try and run through it as quick as possible. Um, boom. So trying to open up. All right, I probably don't need all these things at one time. Let's just start here. Let's start with a little bit of Biden versus Trump on immigration. 12 charts comparing the U.S. border security. This is from the 12th. So this is just, uh, just about two weeks ago. Illegal crossings at the U.S. border. We've heard now, I've heard somewhere in between 7 and 10 million over the last four years. Um it's an absolutely fucking ludicrous number. We're going to talk about some of the cost of that in a little bit. But these charts are super interesting. Legal crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. See Trump over here on the left. Biden, right? Never never reaching one million immediately after Donald, after Joe Biden takes office. I guess 2020 would be that time. No, 2020 election, 2021 he takes office in January. Boom. Legal crossings reach an all-time high of 2022. 2.2 million in 2022. Boom. Over 2.2. I mean, what are we talking about? 2023, 2024 has got to be up there. Um, the border crossing soared in months after Biden took office and immediately rolled back as many Trump era restrictions. Talking about Title 42, wait in Mexico, all this shit, right? Who's crossing the border? This is single adults, right? Donald Trump, it's down here. It's less than 400K. Joe Biden takes office, boom, shoots up to fucking 1.6. Family units, right? This is coming up during Donald Trump. That was the big thing, right? All oh, the kids in cages, this is fucked up. Oh, it's falling off. What's happening now? Well, it's because all these fucking single males are coming in here, all these single individuals, right? Starting to come back up now. It's what they're saying, it's because all the numbers are coming up. Unaccompanied minors, right? Not really happening. Donald Trump is cracking down. Oh, it's starting to come up. It's fucking shit's bad. Oh, it's fucking weird. The same time that all this dips when the family units come in is also when the unaccompanied minors come in. That's fucking weird, right? When the families are coming in, why are all, the, why are all these people unaccompanied? That's strange. Yeah. Where people are crossing the borders, right? This is all the other country. This is where they're coming from. Migrants from Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala made up the vast majority of border crossings under Donald Trump. But they began to shift in 2021 as more migrants from other countries crossed the border, right? So look at this. Now it's almost a 50-50 split between the people who are coming from the southern, southern South America and people who are coming from all the other countries. All the other places. Isn't that interesting? Venezuela, Colombia, Peru, Senegal, Marijuana, along with all the Africa, Europe, and Asia. 
are crossing from Mexico in numbers U.S. authorities have never seen. For example, 14,965 migrants from China arrived across the southern border between October and December. Two months. That is up from tw- up from 29 over that same period in 2020. 29. What is happening? Why are they coming here? Why is this happening? Why? Right? We have some more articles here that are just about the Chinese. Boom. Chinese illegal immigration on pace to break records at U.S. southern border. A dramatic increase in Chinese illegal immigration is on track to break records at the southern border with apprehensions from the communist country in one sector uh, alone already eclipsing a fiscal 2021 in just a, of just a few days. One sector already eclipsed in 2021, just a few days. U.S. comes in border protection. Sources tell Fox News that between Saturday and Monday, there were 452 Chinese nationals apprehended by Border Patrol in San Diego sector alone. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And now, all of Jesus Christ, man, this is a... Uh, I've not really been a national security guy prior to this kind of like era of of immigration issues, right? You're talking about people from all over the fucking world that are coming here. There was already a national security issue when you're talking about people coming from Mexico and South America, people being trafficked here, human trafficked here, children being trafficked here, drug trafficking coming through the southern border. This is a fucking problem, right? You're now talking about people from all over the globe who have ideologies not even close to ours, communities not even close to ours, systems not even close to ours, things that are completely opposite of America coming here, implanting them in society and walking away, expecting nothing from them afterwards other than, ah, show up fucking if you can, if not, then ah, it's whatever. This is not a way to preserve a country. This cannot happen. We talked about this when we did the breaking points thing last week. We had that really great quote from Sagar and Jetty. It's like, I'm calling for essentially net zero immigration because the country is too divided amongst the different ethnicities here for us to even coalesce as America. We cannot come together and believe in the sanctity of America. There are people who are coming here who have not existed in this way of life for long enough to be influenced. They still believe in the things that they believed in in their old country. They love America. They love the opportunities that came here. They don't hold these same ideologies. They don't believe in the same American ideals that we do. They believe in the opportunity, right? That's not enough. It isn't enough here. They were talking about this on TimCast last week. I thought it was a really interesting thing. I've not given a whole lot of thought to the uh, great replacement theory. Tim Cast laid out a really good example. He used like fucking neckties or something when he's talking about it. But the crux of the argument is that if you have people who come here, and this is where the voting thing comes in, Tiffany, uh, because there's a lot of different pushes for you know just anybody who's here to be able to vote. There are people who are f- here that are voting who are not from here, who don't even believe in the same freedoms that we do, that drastically shifts the likelihood that your freedoms are taken away from you. If they believe inherently in less freedom that you do and more power to the government, they're going to vote that way, especially if they haven't had the experience or the time to to see what freedom really is about. They just see more freedom than where they came from, and that's enough for them, right? Even if it's still repressive, even if it's still tyrannical, even if it's still authoritarian, it's more free than what they had in China, and that's good enough. And that's only assuming that they're just coming here for freedom. They don't have any ulterior motives, which I don't find. I'm not saying all of them do, but there definitely are people coming here in these numbers that do have ulterior negative motives for this country. We've seen that, and we will see that. We have seen... Uh, Travis Haley is like a really good example. He was in the military for a very long time, special forces guy. And now he 
owns a training company and a gear company and all this type of stuff. It's called Innovation. That's why. Yes. I, yes. Um, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, and Travis Haley has a lot of connections with the government. He's talking about how he's talking to people from CENTCOM. He's talking to people with the border. He's talking. He's like, they're, they have no handle on the people that are coming here. They can surveil, and that is almost all. There is almost nothing they can do, and there is you know, 10,000-plus people that came over the border last year that they have on a watch list. That's not like the FBI's top 10 or whatever, but are on a watch list for people that they are concerned will try and do harm to this country in one way or another, or are on a watch list for human trafficking already, for drug trafficking already, for crime, for gangs, for one thing or another, something that we don't want here. They're already on that list. 10,000 of them. What are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing? How can we allow this to happen? How can we... How can anybody support leadership on either side of the political aisle of any political agenda that would allow this to happen? None of these people deserve to be in office. It, it was That was the truth before. Prior to this now, none of you want to do anything. None of you actually want to help, right? There is so much hypocrisy and disgustingness that happens on both sides of the aisle that exists currently there. None of you want to help. You would rather send money around the globe than do anything here. Whether it be fucking Israel or Ukraine, you would rather send money around the globe than do anything for the people living here. You have migrants, thousands of them, living in hotels around the country, getting paid getting money, getting phones, living in the hotels for free, and we are filling our parks with rocks so our veterans cannot sleep there in tents. What are we doing? What is going on here? None of these people deserve your support. None of them deserve these jobs. Nobody, no one actively sitting in a legislative seat deserves a single fucking vote next year. Not one. Get out. Get out. Start all over. None of you deserve to be here. None of you give a fuck. Maybe seven? What is there? Maybe seven people that we could agree go through with a fucking fine-tooth lice comb in Washington to find that might actually kind of care about the future of the country. Maybe. State your case. Make your argument more than just... Aren't they fucking worse? Shouldn't we not vote for them? That's not good enough anymore. And it shouldn't be. If that's where you're living in, if that's the 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 state of mind politically that you're existing in, is that these campaign ads and them these candidates telling you why the other person is worth, that's enough for you, you don't deserve a vote. You don't deserve to be involved in this system because you're ruining the fucking country. You're bringing it down by allowing those people to run this country. This is horrific. They don't care about this place. They don't care about the history. They don't care about the freedom. They don't care about the love that we have for what exists here and what can exist here and what has for the entirety of this country, for the life of this country. They don't care about that. They don't deserve to reap the benefits of what we have here and what we want here. They don't deserve it. Get out. Just go. Chinese migrants going up on the up and up. Right? Got another one here. More Chinese migrants now cross the San Diego border than Mexican nationals. Isn't that interesting? More Chinese than Mexican nationals crossing in San Diego. How? Why is this something that we're accepting? 
How the fuck do you get here from China? Just doesn't matter, right? It's fine. We talked about this earlier. The the policy that we're dealing with is is decades old. It's decades, decades, decades old. The the situation and that's borne out just in the charts that we just looked at, right? That you can see that in the people who are coming here. The situation is drastically different than it was in 2017 not to mention 30 years ago when we made these policies 40 years ago when we made these policies we have to shift something this no longer applies these rules no longer apply it is not just single guys who are coming here to work like it was before it isn't the family units that we were addressing during biden and during trump this isn't it's not that anymore that is not what's happening this has got to stop i Close the border. I was not a huge close the border guy. This has got to stop. There's, there, we cannot allow this to continue until maybe the people in Washington get some fucking shit together. It's, I, I don't have enough faith in that. This has to stop. We, at this particular moment, it has to stop. And I am on train with the Sagar and Jetty ideas that this, we have got to chill. The country has got to chill and come to a simmer as opposed to a boil before we can keep adding fucking ingredients into it. This doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about the cost of the migrant services really quick, and then I think we can probably move on to the to the grab back. Um, we'll talk about the other stuff. I had some other things about the military and stuff, but we'll talk about that later because I really want to hit the grab bag, and I want to be done by 4. So... It's good. I honestly thought that I would be like struggling to get to four o'clock. So I'm I'm pretty pleased that this is how this is working out. Um, they have plans for sure. I agree with you, Joseph. They absolutely have plans. I don't see. It's impossible in my mind. It's impossible for this level of illegal immigration to be happening and for it to be totally natural. It's it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. We can keep looking at this. I don't know if you uh so where they're crossing from, these are different places, right? China, oh, that fucking kick right up. India, kick. Peru, kick. Venezuela, way the fuck up. Colombia, way the fuck up. Ecuador, hit drop, and we're back up. Deportations. They're like, oh, look at this. These fucking deporting women were people. Yeah, well, there's, you know, 10 times as many people coming across the border as there were during Donald Trump. So migrant encounters versus deportations. Deportations, return, and expulsions. Nationwide CBP enforcement encounters. Yeah, it's because there's fucking 90 million more people coming over, you idiot. U.S. Interior Immigration Enforcement. Oh. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Migrants deported or returned after an ICE arrest. Oh, see how it fucking drops right the fuck off in 2021? Isn't that weird? Parole. Many people oh, can't be paroled here. 2019, when people were really bitching, the kids in cages, this is terrible. All right, we'll parole some more people to do that. Cut that shit right out in 2020. Oh, oh, oh. Kicks right back up during that during that uh, Biden administration, doesn't it? Isn't that fucking interesting there? Isn't that, isn't that interesting there? Yeah. Refugees. Oh, boom. Just hit that annual cap. Just blast that fucking cap right off there, huh? Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ, man. It's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. Got something for the cost here. Let's look at the cost because um, 
few costs by states and then in general. So let's see. Finance, finance, finance. Boom. Oh, this is pretty interesting. We'll start at this one. This one has to do with San Diego. Border Patrol releases hundreds of migrants at a bus stop after San Diego runs out of aid money. Oh! Hundreds of migrants were dropped off Friday at San Diego bus stop instead of a reception center that had been serving as a staging area because it ran out of local funding sooner than expected, showing how even the largest city in the country's southern border is struggling to cope with the unprecedented influx of people. Isn't that great? Isn't that nice? Are we in San Diego? Asked Gabriel Guzman, 38 painter from the Dominican Republic, who was released after crossing the border in remote mountains on Thursday. He's told to appear in June in an immigration court in Boston, where he hopes to earn money to send home to his three children. Get the fuck out. Love you, brother. Get the fuck out. Let's talk about the cost. Ferry. Legal immigration cost New York taxpayers near $10 billion in 2022. Hmm. Mass. So let's, can we imagine? Because this is from 2023, right? These are some of the newest numbers that I could come up with. So can we imagine what it will be next year? Can we begin to imagine? Mass illegal immigration and misguided state policies that provide illegal uh, illegals... God damn it. With benefits and service now cost New York taxpayers nearly $10 billion in 2022, according to a newly released cost analysis by the Federation for American Immigration Reform. New York and city anticipates an additional $4 billion in costs in the coming year as a result of these policies. So they're looking at a $14 billion. Isn't that nice? Uh, pegs the combined federal, state, and local costs associated with illegal immigration at $182 billion annually. With New York absorbing more than costs of all, but all but three states. So that says the report, the fiscal burden of illegal immigration on United States taxpayers pegs the combined federal, state, and local costs associated with illegal immigration at $182 billion countrywide. Nice. Nice. Let's look at California. Nearly $31 billion a year. California. And this is for the costs include K-12 education, in indigent medical care, housing and nutrition assistance. California also provides other cost benefits for illegal aliens such as in-state tuition at public colleges and universities, health coverage under the state's Medi-Cal program, sweeping sanctuary policies that shield illegal, illegal aliens from identification and removal. So even to fight the feds. According to the report, benefits, you're paying tax dollars to fight the feds. That's awesome. That's so fucking awesome. That's hilarious. This is a story of the Trojan horse. It's too late, my friend. These are the comments. Joseph, now we have to ask how we defeat the army that is on our soil. What would happen for U.S. boots on U.S. ground? Our military cannot just bomb the U.S. So what now? Our government is trying to outlaw militia. So what side do you think they're on? Oh, I am not of the mindset. I am not of the opinion that the government is on our side, sir. This is obviously their fault. Yeah. No, my answer would be the same as always. It is fucking get kitted up, train and get armed up. That is defend yourselves, have more babies. That's the government is not the answer and they never will be. Um, I would have to get back to you on how to stop this. I mean, the answer seems evident to me that the, the policy that Texas is carrying out in securing their own border is the answer. Um, that's that's the way. If the federal government is going to abdicate its responsibility and subject the states 
to the various issues that they are running into, then you have to secure your own border. You have to defend yourself. Um, the outlaw mush thing was was fucked last week at the Amblemen meet. That was a hot topic of conversation. I will tell you that. So, yeah, and there's next. There's some interesting stuff happening with military service and everything. That I'd be really interested to talk about that. I will be on the show um, a little bit next week because we record at my house. So Colin is going to be here to do the show. Um, and he will be here during nap time. So I will likely come down here during nap time and be on the show for like uh, an hour and a half or so. And then I will skedaddle and let Colin finish up and do his thing. Um, so we'll, we'll hit some of these things more next week as well. But I want to make sure that I went over some of these cost things because it's, it's, uh, the, the numbers here are staggering. Um, it is really quite incredible. So I think that's the last like serious topic that I want to hit. And if it's cool with you guys, then we'll move on and we'll do some grab bag stuff because I think that that sounds like a good time. So let me pull up, um, Instagram and we can go over some of those things. So we got a couple of topics there. Um, boom, boom, boom. So notifications. Oh, those are mine. Switch. Oh, I can go to the DMs here. Oh, but I can't do. Okay. So I will just have to read the messages that we got. And then um, I can show you guys the videos. So, okay. Let me start. Let me put up my phone then really quick. And we can look at the video or we can talk about these things together. There's one of them that I might want to wait on. So I think I only have like two of them really. Um, Richard Sherman arrested for DUI booked in King County. Uh-oh. Shouldn't be doing that. One of them was reparations, right? And really, I just have a funny story about that because obviously I'm not in favor of reparations. It's far too past, we're way too, way too past that to, to try and charge people now, take taxpayer money now to disseminate to people who have a historical connection to slavery um, is ridiculous. Um, the second one was toxic femininity and women can be toxic i think that there needs to be a a balance women and men are balanced they are part of the same system if you have a man who is trying to take too much from a woman uh then he's not going to be happy if you have a woman who's requesting too much from a man oh my god i sent a video to my wife from carl benjamin um of course it's on the fucking let me i'm gonna here's what we're gonna do we're going to watch it. That'll sum it up. That'll do it for us. Boom. Okay. Here we go. We're going to watch this together. This will sum up my views on toxic femininity. Boom. Eight. Talking to myself. We are at the view. Boom. used to treat women with an extreme amount of deference because the generations living then remembered a time when the world was a lot more difficult than people now. Let me pause this just for... Hold on. 
you can go back to say the Victorian era and men used to treat women with an extreme amount of deference because the generations living then remembered a time when the world was a lot more difficult than people now remember it being. So the physical inequality between men and women was emphasized because the world was a much more difficult place. Men took a paternalistic and patriarchal view on how women should be treated and women wanted men to take that. They wanted to be safe, they wanted to be provided for, they wanted to make sure their children were safe and men did what they could. Now men have won. They've, you know, the, the fact we've got aeroplanes flying overhead and the fact that we're not about to be invaded is the victory of Western man. Then for some reason women decided, okay, well I don't, I'm not afraid anymore. Uh, I want what you have. You don't do the things that we do, so you can't have what we have. But men just want women to be happy. They want them to love them. They want their approval. And so if gaining women's approval means pretending women are equal to men or, you know, saying this, that, or the other, whatever it is, they'll do it. And it's completely taken men off of the throne that they sat on. This throne was never imposed by authority, actually. It's imposed by consent. And the second women withdrew their consent for the man to be on that throne, the, the throne collapses and the men are just standing around going, okay, well, I guess I'll just play video games and drink beer all day and smoke weed. And if you don't need me, I won't do anything. Because that's really the whole raison d'etre of being a man, just to be needed by someone else. And it's always been women. You can go back to, say, the Victorian era and men used to treat right, women. So with generally, I would say that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, the point being, men and women are a balance here. None of them can exist by themselves. Um, no one can thrive by themselves. For a woman to try and take too many male roles takes away from the responsibilities from the male. That takes away from, from that balance. Neither will be happy. Um, we are at this point socially, partially, really I think what Carl Benjamin is getting at, what I'm taking from what he's saying is that societal imbalance there between men and women there is a shift that happened there that i don't think is natural and is cutting against our all of what our biology is telling us we have to work together we need to respect what works well for us what doesn't we need to respect the exceptions as well but we need to respect them as exceptions and regard them as exceptions and you know honor that elevate it do all the stuff but we need to be honest about what is going to benefit people, what makes them happiest, what is going to work most for men and women together over that time. Um, and if we don't do that, we are going to be in trouble. Oh, I did send the Carl Benjamin thing. It was just way earlier. Cool. All right. So now we will go over to do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, boom. I've been seeing a lot of really cool fucking woodworking videos lately, and I was hoping that Colin would be here for this, but it is what it is. So I've been seeing all kinds of really weird joints, all kinds of cool stuff, so I want to show you the guys this fucking deal here. Look at this squeaker this guy puts in here. Looks like a table leg, chair leg, right? Twist that fucker right in there. It was tight. She's a tight girl. Look at that. Flush, baby. Blush. Super tight though. This guy over here question with such a tight fit. Why aren't you worried about the wood cracking when it expands? Let's see what the replies are. Uh, thanks for asking, answering the question. Also, do you oh, boom? He replies. 
Not to say that I'm not worried about it, but I'm not worried about it. I gave myself the best opportunity to minimize the effect of the wood movement through grain orientation, quarter sawn lumber for the legs, and by not pinning the seat with a frame or something that it's attached to along with the width of the boards. There should be plenty of relief for movement that's not the joint. It can still crack there, though, and such is life. Wow! I'm not even smart. I, all the shit that you see behind you, everything that you see here and here, I did put these. It's not... I'm not a craftsman. I'm not not by any means a craftsman. Um, so let's see here. This is this gateway pundit thing, right? Um, this is, I thought there was a video here, uh, but there was a, a man, police officer, who was arrested an individual, put him in the back of his car, and as he walked around the car to go to the back seat, an acorn hit the top of his vehicle, and he turned and fucking blasted this man to death uh he unloaded an entire magazine he says shots fired shots fired he thought he was getting blasted at that he got hit scared the man no longer works for the department uh so isn't that interesting i was really hoping colin would be here for this because he used to have uh a bunch of uh he, he does have, he does have little dogs um so for him to see these little dogs but he can see this afterwards because i thought it was lovely these dogs working Look at those little dogs I think it's impressive that the guy was able to stage his dogs in all these different ways oh we need a copy right for that cause there's no way I could get my dog the dog just held a pen it's on a saw it was holding the wood pusher like I'm <clears throat> I'm impressed that this guy can get his dogs to stand by all this stuff to balance on all the things. Those are good dogs standing on the sander, holding the tape. Adorable. Running the router. Dog's router now. Adorable. Sanding. Using the air compressors, blowing things off. Some cabinet doors. Some beautiful, beautiful cabinet doors. Love it. This guy be cooking, right? This guy's a little bit much, but um, I always like to bring Colin the, the fire stuff. This was kind of a late thing for him to not be here, so obviously these are curated for Colin, but now they're for you guys. Peep this bird, dude. Well, each I'm going to carefully slice along to remove the skin, then in Pork half, belly. and then into a bag to vacuum seal, and I'll sous vide it overnight. And I'll also get the meat generously seasoned on both of the sides, and then get it rolled up nice and tight, tying it all the way along with some string, and then cut it into these little swirl things with a bit more spice. Have you seen where Sticking they discovered an unidentified anaconda species they found? No, god damn it. Flip and into my tray with some wine and barbecue sauce to let them braise. Then removing the foil at the end to get them glazed till it's got a proper jiggle, and the meat just falls to bits, and I'll save the fat for later. I also made a brioche style bread dough which I put into an oil bowl until double in size and then got it cut and boiled up and let wrap. Kind of was a sword. pork fat out the packet and scrape the fat off and cut a lattice like so then crack an egg to baste and lay onto my bread dough and bake until nice and gold then pouring over some hot oil to make the crack <laughs> and the magic white powder that I'm going to use to give induya cheddar and mozzarella the texture of American cheese then pour onto a sheet and freeze. Then I'll get my dry aged steak burger seasoned with MSG on both of the sides and press it into the pan before basting it like a steak and laying a slice of that cheese and helping the cheese I think might be 
then I get my bun sliced open and toasted off and loaded with all of the good stuff, some barbecue sauce and slaw, then the top lid to get this bloody gorgeous pork belly burger ready to slice right How the fuck do you even eat it? God damn, dude. I got a big old pork belly. God damn, dude. Alright. Some adorable stuff. Life of a barn cat. Got some uh, like alpacas, probably. Yep, alpacas. Eating some hay. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that little kitty cat. You think they accidentally nibbled the cat's feet? Um, you know, Joseph, weekly show. Uh, that's an accident. I always say next week. I always say that. That's always... Always. We used to do a weekly show um, when we first started. When I had kids, I couldn't swing the weekly show anymore. I obviously would love to get back to that. They would be shorter shows. They would be closer to this length if we did weekly shows. The long-term goal is for us to do this every day, and then you'll get like you know two hours every day um, of the stuff that we're doing. But um, of this flagship show, and then we'll continue to have other shows and stuff like that. But um, we, the I meant to say this in the beginning, man. It's all right. Grab bag is the perfect time for it. We secured a location for my wife's bakery, right? Shout out to Jordan. Shout out to JP Bakery. So in the next, I'm going to say, month or so, six weeks, we will have a bakery open for people in the area to do uh, custom orders and stuff. And, there, you know, for you guys, there will be some stuff that we can send in the mail. So we'll be happy to do those things with you guys. But, yeah, we have secured the bakery. So in the next six weeks or so, my schedule is going to kind of shift a little bit. I should have some more time at home. I'm just varied time at home. And that will allow us to kind of start testing out some more stuff with the show. You know, I would love to make some more content, put out more clips, more things like that for you guys, more pre-recorded content. Um, so stay tuned for that. That is definitely the intent, Joseph. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say that by next year, we'll be doing a weekly show. That's what I think. By next year, we'll be doing a weekly show at the very least. So, uh, excuse my mistake. I'm at next episode of The Call and will be here. Thank you very much, Tiffany. We are very, very excited. It'll be called JP Bakery. It's going to be out of Silverdale. So, yeah, we'll have lots of pictures for you guys. We'll have lots of that type of stuff. Um, it'll be fantastic. Very, very excited. She does mostly, the main business is custom cakes and cu cupcakes, but she also does obviously lots of cookies and stuff. And then um, she also does like some patisserie, some eclairs, and she does homemade English muffins, which people really love, which also ship really well. Um, and she's going to the croissants and some stuff like that. So she likes to do a little bit more bread. She does some bread. So um, she'll have more time. She'll have more availability, bigger kitchen. We've been home baking for a long time. So um, I am going to play this for you guys because this is my the reel that we cooked up this week. Um, a little Amble Men shoot. That pistol, that's this gun. Twelve and a half. This is a scrambler drill. Love that scrambler drill. That's Brian. Big buddy Brian. 
could, now you never could be. Then we're talking about where y'all should be. Just imagine where y'all could be with all the talent, man. Fuck y'all wouldn't. This is supposed to inspire. I need that money like you got my wife. Should've made Colin tell me stuff with you, man. Chase that shit before they spy some sand. I'm the only time to face it. Oh. We had some Tanneride that we were blasting at, and um, I had mine laid up over there, and I just couldn't fucking, I couldn't hit it. I had it lined up with the um, my red dot, and there's a tiny little can, you know, and I just could not blast it. I absolutely could not hit it, and <clears throat> just with the red dot, I was just eating away right at the bottom of it. So, one of my buddies has a rifle with an LPV on it, a low-power var variable optic, and I was able to grab that, and um, that first shot, got it. So, so watch this lady here. Make it make sense. Deli cheese in a plastic bag. Bread in a plastic bag. Almond milk in a plastic. Voice is terrible. Blueberries in a plastic carton. Paper towels in a plastic wrap. Peppers in plastic. Plastic bags for your produce. Meat wrapped in plastic. But they won't give you a plastic bag or a brown bag unless if you pay for it, of course, because we're saving the environment. Anybody explain that? Make it. Don't pay for the bags. How about that? Don't pay for the fucking bags. When you go, don't pay for the bags. I never pay for the bags. If I take bags, which I try not to now just because it's not worth it, but um, I don't pay for the bags. Don't pay for the bags. Hit zero every time. It's a fucking bullshit tax. Don't pay for the bags. Nothing is different. Don't pay for the bags. Don't be stupid. Yeah, fool. So, this is the one I was talking about. This guy, queer as a $3 bill, is going to talk about this house in Tacoma that costs more than my house and is, uh, I don't know, just over half the size. We have yet another crime scene house. We're in Tacoma, Washington, $275,000, two bed, one bath, and it's 900 square feet. Looking at the outside, the house is all boarded up. Pretty frightening. Jumping right Pretty in. Pretty frightening. The inside of the house is not. The floors, legit. These are like very similar to my floors. Mine were beat to fuck when I first got them. These still have some decent, like over here in front of the fireplace. So that's some decent shine on them. Mine were all beat to fuck. So we've sanded them down and refinished them. They're beautiful. Any less scary. Just, you, you know, it's a little, it's a little Small off. rooms Here's just like my bathroom. house. I think it's fine. The boarded up windows though. They're just throwing me off. And then we have this room. <laughs> Let's take a closer look here. What's going on on the floor. Hmm. <laughs> I'm no expert here. But looks like something went down here and wasn't fully cleaned up. Um, oh God. Okay. You don't want to sit down those floors. It's just a little scary. And here's the little attic space. And then we got this attic's kind of going legit. on in the backyard. Um, I don't really know what that is, but it's again, frightening. this was probably that back bar was probably a garage, like a garage or a, some type of second dwelling. Cause it looked like it had a small basement. Like it went down a little bit and then a small panel. So it's probably some type of like basement that used to be like a, like a shack with a basement, some type of storage cellar that used to be there is what I would imagine that that is. Um, I don't pay for the, yeah, don't pay for the bags. That's exactly. Don't pay for the bags, Joseph. That's a silly the whole thing. House. I just wanted to go back and let's look at the price. Almost $300,000. It's tiny, by the way. I don't know what, and like I, uh, this is also what I want to talk about. It's very funny, but um, this is very, it's very normal for this area. I don't know what housing is like or like prices where you guys are. This very normal. 
You know, my house, like I said, I live in Bremerton, which is a less populated area. Tacoma is more central. It's much closer to Seattle. Uh, there's more business that goes on there. So it's a more, it's just a heavier area. Um, this is very common. This, this 275 for this tiny house, especially in an area like this, is going to be super common. That's an old house. Um, very common. So I don't, I, I always think it's funny just how people are like shocked. It is. It's a lot of money. It's been that type of way around you. It's like housing has always been expensive here. It's very funny. Um, this is literally my neighbor. No joke. There are so many stories I could tell about this house. None of them good. Let's see what she has to say if it's real. Okay, we're waiting. Like what happened there? Come on. I would like to know. They would have big, crazy parties, light mattresses on fire, had animal control called many times and had dogs taken away. And last time people were living there maybe a year and a half ago. I don't know exactly. I woke up to my family getting me out of the, my room, putting me across the house, blocked by furniture. My window was facing his house and the cops came and surrounded the house with guns, shots fired. Craziest thing is they were renters. I don't know who owned the house, but the people who were doing that stuff rented it. A couple houses down, there was also some type of killing a couple of years back with the next door neighbor is 100% a drug dealer. They were all nice people. Just don't ask what goes on behind closed doors. That's kind of awesome. Who obviously knows whether or not she's telling the truth, but um, as a person who lives in Seattle, this is so cheap for the area. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We can redo them floors, baby, and then slap on a new layer of paint everywhere. That's the cheapest house to in. They're going to find for miles. Yes. <laughs> This house is posted on Zillow for someone's bail. The guy murdered his girlfriend and his family is trying to post it. <laughs> I wonder if that's real. That is pretty awesome. That is awesome. This is a normal price for Tacoma. No, I wouldn't live near that city. Crime scenes are way too common. Oh, it's Tacoma is fucking bad, too. Tacoma is super duper bad. Um, man, I meant to talk about this for the Casey shooting when we were talking about uh, the moral differences, right? Just how fucked it is that you can have people that... The, the disparity there, there's issues. So this is one that's in Seattle that's very common, you know, just people who, children, right? Because the adults who are doing those things are children in their mind. They've not grown up. They don't know who they are. It's a completely foreign fucking land that they're living in, the foreign world that they're existing in. And so the rules are different with their family, their parents, their everything. It's different. Um, so I wanted to play this because I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, Two brothers, 12 and 13 years old, in court, their attorneys asking for them to be released from custody. He is 12. Uh, detention is not appropriate. He does not need to be in detention. The brothers were arrested last week after a wild police chase through Seattle, where cops say they each had guns, violently carjacked a woman, and fired shots before being taken into custody. Mom has had him in the home. There's been no control. Um, he's been out of control. There's been multiple incidents where firearms are involved. Today, a probation counselor said that, that woman, the probation officer said she, the mother has had them in the home with no control. There's been multiple issues with firearms. They're 12 and 13. They are 12 and 13 years old. This was not the first problem yeah. in the family's home, including multiple prior instances of guns and gangs. But today, the boy's mother said she could take care of them. I think we'll be fine to come home. I think he will be um, safe. I will keep him safe. So I think it's fine if he come home today. Everybody talks about he's got a community support. I believe it. But that community was there when these incidents happened. Judge Veronica Galvin signed off on releasing the 12-year-old with electronic monitoring, but prosecutors said the older brother was the driver and may have been leading the younger brother along. Listen, listen, I don't know that fucking 
12-year-olds need to be in jail, right? I don't know that that's the best place for youth to be existing is in a prison, right? You have to do something, obviously, because they're fucking stealing cars and guns, and they're on the verge of getting in a gunfight with the police. I mean, you can only do this type of stuff for so long before eventually a cop does think that he, whatever happens and the fucking shooting starts, right? This is, this what we want. We want the cops to be in a position where they have to choose whether or not they're going to shoot a fucking 13 year old. That's, that's what we're going to do. That's crazy. I don't, the woman, the mother, the mother, I can keep them safe, right? Your community is not safe because they're endangering. There's someone else in the comments that like they're endangering countless people. They're driving stolen cars in the streets with guns in their hands. What if somebody else is scared and they fucking shoot, right? There's all kinds of people who carry guns that shouldn't carry guns. What if someone else is scared and they start shooting? Somebody else fucking kills a 13-year-old because the mother has zero control. Community has zero control. This is Seattle. And this is from Mike Glover. I don't know whether or not this... I was not able to confirm this prior to today. Uh, breaking, NATO has given Ukraine permission to strike targets inside of Russia with soon-to-be-delivered F-16 jets, says NATO chief in an interview today. Reminder, Putin warned that if U.S.-made F-16 jets strike Russia-Ukraine, may no longer be the only target. So, but God, you know, God forbid we leave NATO, right? This one says, Blackstone, after successfully outbidding a single mother of three for a house. The champions. We can blame no one but ourselves for allowing corporations to take over our fucking housing markets. It's a sad reality, but they need better parents. I uh, agree. I agree. It's, some people should not have children. Most people, I think, should have children. I'm, I'm generally in favor of more people, more children with good morals. If your morals are zero... If you have zero control of yourself, you have zero identity, zero self-identity, zero national identity. Shouldn't be having kids. It's my last one. I'm going to call this. The nice one. Boom! Slow motion and everything. That's a fucking great video. I wonder if any of them got hurt. Blammo. Definitely they took some shrapnel from the toilet. Undoubtedly they took some shrapnel from the toilet. So I think that's pretty interesting. I like to see that type of stuff. Uh, used to do things like this all the time when I was a kid. So I like it. That is the last one that I have for you guys. So I'm going to call that one uh, an end for the day. Uh, I had a great time. I feel good about this episode. I was super nervous coming into this. I have ruined, uh, messed up a lot of episodes and recordings prior to this with just technical mistakes. So I'm thrilled that this turned out as well as it did. I appreciate all of you guys being here with me today. I appreciate you coming to hang out, um, sticking with me through the comment issues, the technical issues, whatever. We're going to do more things like this in the future. We'll have some more solo streams and stuff like that because I think that will be a good way to get those weekly episodes like Joseph was talking about. Um, if we could just do some shorter ones solo in the off weeks, it's not a bad idea. We have some SOSID recordings coming up. We have another episode dropping for you on the 1st of March for the Patreon. You can get the uncut version um, and then, of course, the edited version on the 15th of the month. So go to the Patreon, subscribe to get that. We have a newsletter coming out at the end of the month, so you can also get that. Instant access to all of the old newsletters as well. Um, 
all the stuff that we put on there. Uh, I think we're probably about ready to do the studio tour. We have all the art up and everything now. So we're about ready to put that video together. We'll clean everything up first because it's chaos in here. Wires chaos. I had range chaos in here up until last night. Just the whole table, everything covered in range stuff, gun stuff, all that, everything. So had a really great time today. I really appreciate you guys being here uh, in the comments. Again, make sure that you like and you subscribe and you tell your friends so they can find this. That is the only way that we are going to make success the algorithms do not like us they do not like the things that we say the stuff that we talk about the hashtags the anything so you guys are the key to our success um, to our growth thank you for being here thank you for helping us thank you for coming along this journey with us you can find me at our, my personal social media i'm at salt of the street on twitter and at alpaca underscore donovan on instagram calling it big bird on both those things everything at salt of the streets.com uh, jpbakery.com in a few weeks and you guys can order some things there or jpbakery on Instagram go and follow her help her grow that stuff all that stuff the more jpbakery goes the more time we can do this for you guys so help the bakery help us help you um, with that I think that's everything I'll have more clips for you guys and stuff this week and then Colin will be back on the next episode by himself I should be there for a little bit so I think with that I just want to remind you guys to stay smart stay strong Stay safe and stay free. So thank you guys very much. And I hope that you have...